And welcome back to another special edition of the program. And joining me here live right now is Eric Kajewski. Let's bring him in. Michael, how are you? There you are. What's going on, my friend? Not too much. Always good to talk to you again. We had a great blockbuster talk last time, and I'm sure this show will rattle the YouTube world, and uh, hopefully we'll get a lot of people talking about it. I hope so as well. And, of course, it was an honor and a privilege to speak to you then and here now. It's always fun uh, to conversate with you. Different ideas flow, and we have this open environment here to discuss all sorts of things. We're never really limited here on this side of heaven. Yes. Well, that's good. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate the work that you do. And uh, hopefully, uh, well, I'm not sure if you picked up uh, a lot of new listeners from last time. And I don't know if you want me to kind of cover, you know, who I am, you know, the website, you know, kind of like our background, so to speak, and what we're trying to get across. Um, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so really briefly, my name is Eric Kajewski. I run one of the most uh, popular, if not the most popular, traditional Catholic website available called tradcatnight.org, and it's a new website now. It's new and improved, uh, and I hope to see you all over there. Again, it's not just Catholics who are uh, connected to my uh, information. As you know, i got people from all walks of life uh, following my work, but essentially I cover the apostasy in the Catholic Church, uh, the real third secret of a Fatima, which basically details that. Uh, you know, I cover New World Order topics, you know, Days of Lot News, Prepper, Survivalism, Earth Changes, Economics, Geoengineering, uh, you know, Agenda 2030, Planet X, FEMA camps, you know, uh, you, you name it, you know, Project Bluebeam, Harp, Scalar Technology, Global Depopulation. And so I'm sure there's a lot of carryover between what, you know, Michael discusses and some of the guests that he brings on. And we were just discussing off the air. We both had Fetzer on pretty uh, recently. So and I'm going to be starting special guest podcast back up in September. That's one of the reasons why you want to join me uh, over at tradcatnight.org because uh, my guest list is pretty, pretty extensive. I have hundreds and hundreds of, uh, you know, top name guests on the program. So hope to see you all there. And just as a side note too, uh, Michael recently, uh, Feedspot, just kind of like a ranking system. This is just one of them to give you an example. Ra- ranked us, uh, well, according to their model, we're number three Catholic YouTube channel, but the, the problem right. is the two that are ahead, the two that are ahead of me, they're not really Catholic. <laughs> they're following Vatican too. So, uh, technically speaking, I'm, I'm the number one Catholic YouTube channel available, and I rank 15 when it when it smashes Catholics and Protestant channels together. You know, there's thousands and thousands of Christian channels. I'm number 15. So, uh, just to Very give you good. an idea, we have we have a pretty extensive following, and uh, I, I cover it all. So, I don't know what direct if you had anything pre-planned. I mean, oh, I had so about much. a half a dozen topics oh, yeah. I would like to cover by the time we're done. But let me know what you want me to cover. And I'll get right into it. I want to talk about all sorts of different things. And, yes, congratulations on the YouTube channel. That's been very popular. And I I believe I got one of those um, strange awards in my email from someone. I don't know who. But they gave me some sort of ranking thing for um, end times sort of channel, I guess. Oh, yeah? Cool. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I guess that's what's... A popular thing going on. There's rankings all of a sudden. I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good for you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, there's so much to talk within the topic of quote unquote, uh, end times. And uh, I recently on my, uh, 
premium podcast. I did a whole entire 45-minute show on a not-so-well-known mystic, even in the, the Catholic Church, called Sister Jeanne of the Nativities back in the 17th century. And basically, she talked about the end times. She talked about the reign of the Antichrist. She talked about all these earth changes and sinkholes and earth cracks opening up where, you know, poisonous gases would be released and, you know, cities would die from it and the second coming of Christ actually. So it took me a while to translate it from the original French into, uh, English. It was sent to me by, uh, Father Kramer out in Ireland and, uh, it's a really good read because most Catholics have not seen it. It was the kind of the hot news item, uh, on my website about a week ago. So. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's so much to talk about. So really, there, there truly is. But before we get into all these great topics, I thought we could go back in time to your earliest roots, Eric. When I guess you can say, were you always religious, Eric? Did you grow up in a religious household? What, what was that like for you? Yeah, well, I grew up uh, as a Catholic, and again, when, when you're raised in the mainstream, quote-unquote, Catholic Church, again, it's not really Catholic. The Catholic Church has been hijacked by uh, men who we call modernists, and basically, modernists are a group of men, uh, you know, slash women, who have an erroneous perception of what it is to be Catholic. Pope St. Pius X called them uh False apostles, these new false apostles. And so it's a basically like a rewrite of what Catholicism is. And in the reality, it's not really Catholicism because it's funneling everyone towards this one world religion that's, you know, so many people are talking about. Babylon, Revelation 20. Uh, but it was talked about by pre-Vatican II popes, uh, pre-Vatican II mystics like Blessed, uh, Anna Emmerich for one, Marie-Julie Jeheny. Uh, so I was raised, yes, uh, in a quote-unquote Catholic home. Uh, you know, I'm a ex-athlete. I was pretty good at basketball. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I've got a master's degree in business, was a businessman. And I kind of fell away, you know, in my late 20s. I mean, I was living the playboy lifestyle. I mean, I, I was, you know, had the nice car, the nice uh, home down by Myrtle Beach in, in, in North Carolina. I had the women, you know, I had the money, I had, you know, the job. And uh, I was miserable, truly, on the inside. And, uh, you know, I, you know, left practicing, uh, the faith. And then really at, at one point, even not only did I just leave the church, like, altogether, I mean, I, I really kind of doubted in God's existence, honestly, at one point. I mean, I, I hit such a low. I just kind of thought, like, why, why would God ever allow this? Cause I got hit with a can of worms all at once. I mean, I lost my girlfriend. I lost my home. I lost my job. I lost money. I lost it like all at once to where literally I, I snapped. I had a mental breakdown. And so, so you had a breakdown a, and you kind of, I guess you could say you sort of turned your back on religion slightly there. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I needed it. You know, I needed to snap. I needed to break because I needed to basically, you know, get back to my roots, you know, get back to God, get back to, you know, prayer life. And it was ultimately, you know, personally for me, it was the rosary that really saved me you know, from, from a life of addiction. Uh, you know, at one point being a sex addict. Isn't it amazing how we have to suffer before we could go back? Yeah. Well, that's, that's how it, and that's actually what's going to happen here in the world. I mean, this is why God is going to have to send and allow the evil that he's, he's going to allow to get people back on the right track, so to speak. Because, you know, modern man is, is so, how should I put this, seduced by all the latest gadgets and gadgets and moving from this to that, that they don't really sit and take time. I mean, if they pray five minutes a day, that that might be, you know, the best case scenario. Where, 
well, you know, what's about to happen in the world is, is really going to put man on Gilligan's Island, I call it. I mean, people are going to really feel like they're kind of all alone in the world, even though they might have people around them. It's going to be, it's going to be awfully lonely, especially after the economic collapse that will happen here, uh, in the West. But yeah, so I went through an awful lot of suffering, uh, but it was good because it, it's, it helped me to start writing a book. I'm writing a book called Fortress of the Soul. I've been writing it for seven years and hopefully it'll be out at some point, but it basically details my journey, a lot of my poems, a lot of my writings in there. And, uh, again, you can find some of the exclusive content on the, on the website I'm releasing to the followers there that haven't been seen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't always the quote-unquote Bible thumper. As a matter of fact, Mike, I spend more time with non-Catholics than I do in the Catholic world because, I mean, I think we talked about this last time, most people who identify as Catholics can't stand me because of the things I have to say. You know, I've got to call out Francis, who I think he's a Freemason. Then even within the whole traditional Catholic world, I'm not well-received because, in my opinion, most of them are just phony baloney. They're not real, you know, traditional Catholics. But most of them are, are uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice. They're just they're just phony baloney. Well, you could be yeah. you could be a little, you know, you could throw something on there. It's fine. Well, I, you know, it's most right. of them. <laughs> they, they, they form their own little cliques, and if you don't, if you don't think according to how they think, they kind of push you off to the side. Well, you know, just me kind of being me, growing up in New Jersey, like I, I don't play that kind of game, and uh, so I, I give them, I give them all a bunch of ear, you know, an earful. Mm, and, that's right, uh, you're from New Jersey. Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey. <laughs> that's yeah, right, Jersey Shore. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I, I don't play that game, and so they, and and they don't like that. You know, so, you know, basically I got to call them out and, you know, these types of people call me crazy and fake and a fraud. They, they try to do all kinds of things to slander, but it hasn't worked, you know. Yeah, you have like a I lot said, of detractors, Eric, and you're more than well aware. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, I actually just did a piece yesterday actually naming where, you know, individuals, where the origins of the hate from each individual person came from based upon, you know, my uh, you know, one-on-one correspondences with them. But like I said, that whole false trad network is quite extensive and, and they, re- and they think that they're really like kind of running things and they're not. Uh, you know, I'm very bold in saying that once, once everything starts to collapse here, that whole network, their whole network is going to kind of fall apart as the church goes underground. That's one of the things we could talk about later is, you know, the, the Catholic church is going to go full blown underground like it was. Uh, back in, in, in the, you know, the early Roman days where they were feeding Christians to the lions. It's right. going to be worse than that, actually. Just to, just to give you one thing, I didn't mean to cut you off in that Sister Diane okay. book. It, one of the startling revelations that she had concerning the, the great persecution during the end time. She said just over the course of several years due to the persecution of the Antichrist, uh, he will kill more than in the first few centuries of the martyrs in the church. Few years as compared to the first few centuries. That gives you an idea how many people, uh, and again, it's not infallible, but, you know, there have been other mystics and saints who've said that. It's gonna right. be, it's gonna be awfully a lot worse than the first go around when they were feeding people to the lines and all the mar- I mean, what we're about to go through, uh, in my opinion, in the next like five to ten years, cause that's where I put kind of the great persecution, uh, you know, on a timeline, time frame. Yeah, and we'll, um, we'll brush over that in a moment here, but, I did want to um, ask where these other topics were first introduced to you, Eric, because not only do you talk about Catholicism, you also cover a plethora of subjects. And I'm just curious um, where something like, let's say, for an example, Planet X, when did that, yeah, when did that first come into existence for you? 
Well, Planet X is an interesting subject. I was talking about this on my radio show a couple weeks ago uh, with uh, one of the callers I brought on. And uh, he was saying, you know, Eric, when you first started talking about Planet X, I thought you were a straight nut job. And I said, well, that's good because the first time I heard Planet X, I was calling those people a nut job. And then when I started really looking at it and I started studying uh, prophecy and some of these mystics, it became quite clear that all the earth changes that we're seeing are a result of this binary system approaching us. So one particular mystic who was probably the greatest mystic in the Catholic Church, uh, at least in the last hundred years or so, Marie-Julie Jeheny, uh, from France who predicted the apostasy in the Catholic Church and Planet X and Three Days of Darkness, which we talked about last time. Um, it was our Lord specifically, uh, who warned about this radiant planet coming out from the remotest parts of the universe, basically to, I'm paraphrasing now, to crush the Antichrist and the New World Order, basically. So um, that's how we know how it happens in scripture. Uh, so in terms of Planet X, I would say that that's been more like in the past, like, three to four years, but just in general, all these different areas, like say Catholic prophecy in and of itself, I've been studying on and off for two decades. So I would put my knowledge up against really any clergyman. And I've got a lot of clergy that'll come to me and and ask me questions and kind of pick my brain. And uh, so, you know, Catholic prophecy, I would say is probably my, my forte, but everything else kind of just falls into place. I mean, I, I had, the ability, once I kind of moved back to the Ohio Valley area and I kind of left the world, so to speak, left the business job to where I could be able to, like, research full time. So that's really what I did, uh, you know, for the past decade is, I mean, I really just started looking at investigating to all these different areas that we cover in the New World Order, uh, whether, you know, it's Illuminati itself or Freemasonry or geoengineering aspect or the GMOs and the whole glo- global depopulation thing. And, uh, was able to know it well enough to where I could bring on guests and I bring on, like I said, some of the top guests and I try to pick their brain and learn, uh, and, you know, absorb like a sponge and then kind of see how it fits what we're saying in the Catholic world and then try to present that information, uh, to the public. But, uh, you know, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. It's just, I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of research full time, uh, you know, when others had, you know, maybe, maybe we're out doing the nine to five and right. doing this or that. So, I mean, I was very, very fortunate and very blessed in that regard. And, and it just fit into what God wants me to do now to be able to help people understand the times that we live in. And, um, yeah, so I would, I would say that's, that's pretty much, pretty much it in a nutshell. Understood. And to wrap up the whole planet X Nubiru talk. Um, so that means you are open minded to extraterrestrial life, correct? Well, not, not as such. We would say, I covered this last night on the, uh, the show that I did last night. We believe that, quote unquote, what's being called aliens in the mainstream is actually demonic. Yeah, see, that's, that's another thing I was go- going to follow up with. If you thought these beings were demonic, since yes. so many different cultures, ancient cultures have pointed to the stars and mm-hmm. said these star beings have basically come down and basically described as Fallen angels, per se. Yes. So, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it. Our Lady of La Salette and approved, uh, Marian apparition in 1846. It was talked about, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary warned that the demons of the air would work together with the Antichrist, who I think is 
Matreya. That's his general name. His website, shareinternational.org. Don't ask me who he is in the world right now. I don't think he's on the world scene, but that's just kind of the general name attributed to him. But anyway, you know, with all this phenomena going around, eventually, as things get worse in the world, people are going to get desperate to look for an answer. And so they'll be looking up at the skies and seeing all these, you know, various false prodigies and, and, you know, they'll integrate Project Bluebeam into it. So, uh, when I was speaking last night, I said probably the majority of what you're seeing in the air is probably more just advanced technology that you and I both know, you know, the governments have. I mean, it's like 50 plus years more advanced than, than what the mainstream knows you know, they have in terms of technology. But then the other, I would say is actually just truly interdimensional. Like, I mean, it truly is demonic. Uh, now, in terms of just the whole alien topic in general, that's not really my, like, I'm not going to sit there and try to debate someone for a half hour. Uh, the church, there's some theologians who say it's, it's infallibly taught that there cannot be aliens, but then I say, well, you know what, in, in the 1958 Baltimore Catechism, which most traditionalists would still use in the Catholic Church, it's, it's kind of leaves it as an open question. So, you know, it's kind of like I, I don't really get wrapped up in it. All I can tell you is that what we're seeing right now ties in with the New World Order endgame. You're, you're going to have the demons of the air working up top there. And then on on the boots on the ground, so to speak, are the new, when we get into the new age here, it's these ascended masters, which uh, Maitreya says are spread out all through the world. And so these highly advanced, uh, I don't know how you want to put them, I, I literally label them as fallen angels in the flesh. Um, so, you know, again, in the air, you'll have demons in the air on the, on the ground. You'll have, uh, these fallen angels, fallen angels in the flesh, which will kind of seduce humanity, tell them, you know, we're here to help you, to guide you. You know, we have the answers. You just, you know, you just got to take this guy's mark basically. And, and one of the ascended masters is going to be the biblical false prophet that everyone's, you know, always talking about. You know, that's one of the things I was hoping to get into today, actually, is why Francis is not the biblical false prophet, because I see Protestants saying that, I see traditional Catholics saying that, and he's not. I mean, what's coming after Francis is going to be far worse, uh, even than what he's doing. Yes, uh, we'll definitely get into that. But before we do, um, I, I did want to bring up this. Uh, now, Eric, there are a lot of Christian listeners out there, as well as, as uh, those absent of religion. It seems like lots of my listeners are slightly opposed to Catholicism, to say the least. It's as soon as I mention that I'm going to be bringing in someone of that faith, they get very angry. Oh, I'm not, well, yeah. I'm not exactly quite sure why. I mean, I thought they would be a little bit more open-minded and, and not so opposed to different ideas and philosophies. Well, that's just it. That's the times that we live in. It's everything that, that basically Jesus had warned about, that there would be a great persecution, that mo- that modern man truly in general is not interested in religion. And this is why, I mean, I don't, I'm not honestly trying to play the fear card, but this is Understood. honestly why, yeah. why, why God is going to wipe the table clean in the three days of darkness. All the enemies of the church perish in those three days. No one, no one, no one of no religion is getting past that point. It doesn't matter if you go hide in a bunker, you got yourself, you know, an underground cave in Colorado, you're you're going you're not going to be around after because it's a spiritual chastisement much like there was one in the Old Testament. So, it's going to seem like the Catholic Church is going to perish, like I said we're going to go underground, 
but it's going to be kind of a glorious resurrection like Christ had. When when the apostles thought Jesus was dead and it was over with on the cross, you know, many of them abandoned him, right? And we all know what happened. You know, three days later he rose. So it's going to be very similar with the Catholic Church. Now it's 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 very interesting because that you said that because the the most recent story today, I don't know if you saw this, uh piggybacking off what has transpired in the church with the Cardinal Pell scandal down in Australia, the whole sex abuse thing that we had Cardinal McCarrick just recently over the past few weeks getting busted and you know he had to step down now today I don't know if you saw this uh it's all over the news by the way uh report detailing sexual abuse by 300 priests in Pennsylvania's Catholic Church now the reason why this hits home is because it's only about a half hour from me in the Pittsburgh area so there was 300 priests busted predator priests uh that Apparently, there's over a thousand child victims, and it gets pretty graphic, at least here on the CNN thing. But I mean, raping, you know, seven-year-olds, eleven-year-olds. But here's here's what people have to understand. First of all, okay, Jesus started the Catholic Church. He started religion. Okay, he handed over the keys to Pope Saint Peter, and he said, "Upon this church, I will build this. You know, I will upon you, Peter, my rock, I will build the church." What people have to understand is on that on a certain we're all sinners. You are capable of doing something really crazy, uh, Michael, just as I am. Sure. So for those without religion who want to point the finger, like, okay, well, I'll never be Catholic because you guys are just a bunch of pedos. Well, a uh, pedophilia is, you know, still, you know, you can, you're still liable to falling into some type of sin like that or rape sure. or murder. Th- this anything. is this is one of the reasons why Eric that many of my listeners are opposed to Catholicism because of the whole ongoing uh, priesthood in the Catholic Church being basically, well, some of them uh, even protected uh, for these uh, sexual molestation uh, molestation um, uh, accusations, rather. And it's just something that is troubling that does go on more than we think it does. So I think this is one of those reasons why so many are kind of, once they hear that word Catholicism, they get, they get a little angry here. Right. Well, we have to, again, differentiate Catholicism between Vatican II modernism. The, right. the, the people in the hierarchy, they're not Catholics. My local bishop here, is he, is he real Catholic? No. He's not teaching the Catholic faith. Now, yeah. also, what your, your listeners have to understand is, uh, per the, per what has been warned about, from all these pre, you know, Vatican II mystics and even Bella Dodd, she wrote a book. She, she was the leader of the Communist Party here during, I think, the 20s and the 30s. She, when she converted to Catholicism, right, uh, she warned that, uh, they, a thousand Marxist, uh, agents were infiltrated into the seminaries. So what I'm saying is predominantly when you hear this pedophilia and all these scandals, it's the Freemasons in the Catholic Church. They're, they're not real Catholics. They're pretenders. Now, I'm not saying every single one of them. I'm not giving them all a pass because, like I said, pe- people are people. I mean, you could still have, you know, just a regular priest who, who's not truly a modernist right. who has issues. And as a matter of fact, that, 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 is, that does occur in the traditional world. Trust me, I, I've covered it before. I actually had one priest who was on my Facebook who I later found out in the traditional world, you know, had issues in that area that I, that I didn't know about when I was talking. So what I'm saying is this is what people have to understand. that The Catholic Church has been infiltrated. It's been subverted. It is on purpose 
being presented to the mainstream media as such so it can be hated, so that the new religion can come into play, right? The Catholic Church is the bad guy, so now we, we need something new. We need the new age. We need this, uh, you know, this, this, uh, false prophet guy to come onto the scene and he'll be the one. Once you take this mark, he'll feed you, he'll clothe you, he'll house you, and how many people are gonna buy into that? They're going to buy into that. Yeah, sure. this is everything that the uh, Catholic Church had warned about beforehand. Jesus says at one point in, in Scripture, Michael, Think ye when the Son of Man cometh, will I find faith on the earth? It is, uh, I'm going to use this very strong word, it's at least the unanimous opinion of the church fathers. And typically when we're talking about a unanimous opinion of those early apostles, we, we claim infallibility on it. But uh, as I mentioned, the church goes underground and the church becomes very Small. So you you take a look around and you see as an organization how big the church is. I don't you know I don't know what the numbers are at this point that you know millions or you know billions even. But think about that. You know to be reduced to such a small number that it won't even be recognize recognizable. And so this is what I'm saying. We're we're transitioning out out of a truly Catholic world because in the good old days and in the medieval days predominantly it was Catholic. And then of course you had you know, Protestants breaking off, whether it was Luther or, you know, Calvin or who else. And then from that revolution, the Catholic Church warned, once you break off from the Catholic Church, it goes into Protestantism, then it ultimately slams down to the Antichrist, to atheistic uh, materialism. And so this is what we, we see happening. We see prophecy happening right before our eyes. And there will be an article I want to get into later co- covering yes. how these uh, Talmudic uh, Jews are talking about how their Messiah is here. That's that's not our Messiah. That, that's what we call. That's who we call the Antichrist. Okay, yes. they say he's alive. He's here. You know, one of the other issues that some of the listeners uh, they send me over time is, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. I hope you don't mind. But this is no, something. Yeah, yeah, this it. is something they wanted me to bring up to you. So I thought. Sure. I thought you know Eric is game. He's not going to run away from any of this. So I thought, well, why the hell not? It makes for a great conversation, anyways, right? Yeah, whatever you want to ask. Um, yeah, I'm an open book. Go ahead. Yeah, so one one of the issues the listeners always throw at me is, and mind you, this is the, the the Christian belts out there. They always tell me that the Roman Catholic Church teaches that Mary was sinless and that Mary was a co-mediator with Christ, and they they take a lot of issue with that. Well, on the level of her being sinless, yes. Uh, here's the difference between Catholics and Protestants. Catholic, what, and again, the Catholic Church is the only church that can claim apostolic succession. Any of the Protestants out there that are Lutheran, they broke off from the Catholic Church. This can be proven historically, you know, whatever it was, 1500, whatever the year was. We're the only church that literally can show apostolic succession, meaning going from Pope, 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 like a family tree. Okay, so Pope, Pope St. Peter was the first Catholic Pope. The 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 uh, the Pope who got crucified upside down. You'll even have Protestants protest that. I can't, you know, I, you know, you can't argue against pride. It's historical. 32 A.D. to 68 A.D. and there's historical text proving that, demonstrating how the other apostles uh, basically said, you know, he held primacy over the church, as we call papal primacy. So it's historical. It's just like looking at World War II. Okay, it happened in that year. Well, that's that's the way it is with the Catholic Church. So that's our starting point, right? So what the Catholic Church has always said is there's two aspects to the Word of God, which Protestants deny. A is obviously Scripture, which, by the way, the Catholic the Catholic Church gave the world the Bible, <laughs> the original Bible. B, there's what we call tradition, Catholic tradition. 
those early teachings in the church which weren't included in the Bible. So, so Protestants think, well, everything Jesus said and what was truly taught is just in the Bible. No, not a chance. I mean, there was so many more texts written in, you know, the first five, six hundred years that we call oral and written tradition that we actually use to support in terms of like when we're talking about the end times or the antichrist. So when I talk specifically on these end times, I always try to refer back to tradition. What, what did the early church fathers say about the antichrist? Or, you know, on this particular topic. So I'm building up to a point here. Uh, Allow me. When we get to Mary being sinless, that's in the tradition of the church. All the early saints and church fathers said that over and over and over again. So who's right? The Protestants who broke off from the church and protest. By the way, that's what a Protestant is. We protest, whatever. Okay, that's great. But show me how what you believe actually can be found in the earliest portions of the church. It cannot be. So then we come back to the question of authority, Michael. Who has authority? Does the Catholic Church have authority, or do these Protestants? The Protestants do not. That's why we as Catholics, we, you know, quite honestly, you know, I try to be as nice as I can, but I, I don't see even Protestants as a Christian. They're heretics to us. They've broken themselves off from the, body, the one body of Christ that Jesus Christ has established. Because only Jesus handed over the keys to Peter, and he said, what you bind on earth, I will uh, bind in heaven. So on the matters of faith and morals, the church is infallible. Not on everything. This is where Protestants go wrong. They think, you know, just because a pope, you know, says, you know, uh, cookie crisp is the best cereal, they think that's infallibility. No. It's very, very limited papal infallibility. In fact, it's only been invoked one time over the past 50-something years, and that's when John Paul II reiterated tradition and said women can't be priests, just as the early, uh, obviously, the first disciples weren't. So right. that, that's, a, that's a main difference uh, when we're talking about the whole, you know, the whole sinless question. So when you say, well, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I guess apparently you know better than the early apostles who were around Jesus. So, <laughs> you know, I can't, you know, I can't help that. I mean, that's, that's either, you're either ignorant, you don't know that, or B, that's prideful to think that, that you know better that, you know, than someone like St. Jerome or something like, I mean, I, I can't argue. Well, you some know, people, with you know how people. they, yeah, some, you know how some people are. Well, you know, <laughs> but there's some people who will listen. I mean, don't sure. get me wrong. I mean, I've seen a lot of Protestants actually convert, uh, you know, due to this, you know, you know, dealing with them. I told you last time I've got an outside ministry dealing with, uh, you know, girls in the escort, prostitutes, even a pornographic uh, industry. And most of them are Protestant. And I've seen, you know, I've seen a share of them convert over to Catholicism. And they know, uh, by the way, they know a lot about this stuff. They know about Planet X. They know about what's coming. That's hysterical. Uh, is, yeah. A lot of them, uh, yeah, out your, you know, out your way in L.A. And there's a couple big name, big name ones that are, you know, they're ready to move. Uh, out into oh, wow. not 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 my area per se, but down like in the Arkansas area, and uh, they've they've got like a little bug out place down there. So yeah, I mean well, it's, it's probably good for them. Well, yeah, I mean it's good to first of all get out of what the, what they were doing, but yeah, yeah I mean it, yeah, like I said, I, I'm open. That's to, progress, to talk. a little progress there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a tough world. It, it, you know, basically Catholic bashing is. It, I mean, it's in vogue now, and, and all all that I'm saying is is eventually. The, the 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 playing field gets leveled. All the enemies of the church they get wiped out in this three days of darkness. Uh, and 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 you know the good and the bad are going to die through the process. But on the other side of the the storm, so to speak, what what will remain is uh, essentially Catholics and and those uh, Protestants who will convert to Catholicism. And it's and, and it's in these prophecies where when we're talking about this triumph of the Immaculate Heart period, 
where this, it's also synonymous with uh, the term we called uh, the Eucharistic reign of Jesus. That's another thing that Protestants deny, which is, I mean, it's right there in Scripture when Jesus said, he, he who does not eat of, eat of my body does not have everlasting life. Well, that's what the Eucharist is in the Catholic Church. So right. <laughs> you throw that one at Protestants, you watch their heads spin, you know, and try to watch them squeamishly trying to, you know, figure out how to get their way out of that one. Oh, yes. Because they, they, act, they actually deny, you know, the, the literal presence of Jesus, which is quite interesting, too, because um, I, I will argue that in the times ahead, when everything gets really bad, food supply gets really bad, water supply gets really bad, contaminated. Sister Jan talked about this in her prophecies, too. Um, that's basically what we're going to subsist on is the body of Christ during the end times. Those yes. true followers. That, that's why the, the, the motto of my website is uh, from Scripture, where the body is, there also the eagles will gather. Okay, the body in a mystical sense, we're, we're talking about our, our Lord. So we eagles eat literally off of uh, our Lord, who is our spiritual food, just like the Hebrew children eat, you know, ate the manna out in the wilderness uh, when they were roaming around for, for 40 days. But it, And there were mystics, by the way. I, t- I spoke on, about this on last night's show. There were mystics such as Blessed Anna Emmerich, who literally lived on the Eucharist for 12 years, didn't eat anything else. No McDonald's cheeseburger, nothing. Twelve straight years, no food, no water, straight body of Jesus through the Eucharist. Good Lord. And, yeah, and it was recorded. See, what those types of things, when you have someone who purportedly is that holy or, you know, a stigmatist like Marie-Julie Zahani, what the church does is will actually hand them over to, like, a third-party me, you know, medical observer, and most of the time, most you know, mo- most of those medical and science people, you know, they're atheists or they're not Catholics. Sure. So they they, ha- they actually have to prove scientifically, okay, this is supernatural. What's going on? Now, obviously, it's pretty supernatural if you're not eating for 12 years. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, so, Blessed Anna Emmerich was the one, by the way, who Mel Gibson made that Passion of the Christ movie. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. she's the mystic that Mel Gibson followed. In writing, in writing that film. And she also spoke about this infiltration of the church. She talked about this one world religion coming. She talked about a lot of things. Yeah, by the way, uh, speaking of Mel Gibson, I can't even believe he made his way back into Hollywood after what he did. Yeah, I actually tried to contact him. Did you really? Uh, yeah, some years ago Amazing. because there was rumor, rumors that he was starting a Fatima movie. Oh. And uh, what's kind of interesting, interesting, I just had a guest on this past weekend, Dr. Holnowski. And this opens up a whole other can of worms, uh, because as I mentioned, the Catholic Church has been taken over by these Masons, these Marxists, uh, you know, often who are, who are pedophiles. And, uh, he, there's, uh, the character that was revealed this secret to, the third secret, Sister Lucia. Anyone could go on to Google right now and just, t- like, type in Sister Lucia Fatima. Take a look at some of the pictures pre-1958, then post-1958, and you're gonna look at it and you'll be like, that don't look like the same person. Well, he just ran some diagnostic, you know, test. He had some professional guy working on it, and indeed the results came back saying this was a fraud, an imposter. So could we be talking cloning? I mean, literally, what happened to the real sister Lucia? It's not the same person. Uh, so now we got a situation, and the reason why that's important is because that post 58, uh, sister Lucia was, was not, I'm trying to put this in layman's terms for your, for your listening audience. She, she wasn't at all following what the original Fatima message was. She was basically making it sound like, you know, the consecration of Russia was done. Everything's hunky-dory. You know, it's everything's okay type right, of thing. Right. And that's not what the, you know, the real sisters that, uh, you know, 
had a little bit more sense of urgency. She knew it was about the apostasy in the church, which several cardinals came out who read the real third secret, like Cardinal Odie, Cardinal Chiappi, uh, Father Malachi Martin came out and said it, and, and it all dealt with apostasy in the church. It dealt with a quote-unquote pope being under the control of Satan, and it wouldn't be a true pope. It would be a false pope, what we call an anti-pope. Um, so, that you know, that's what we're dealing with. What, what your Christian world would identify as Babylon, uh, so to speak, which is going to be the next step here, that, that's not going to be the Catholic Church. And that, that's what I, I'm trying to get p- conveyed to the public is don't look at the Vatican right now and say, that's Catholicism. That's not Catholicism. It's not at all what the church teaches. Uh, and again, that's why I'm not popular in the Catholic world either. It's modernism. It's a phony flavor of Catholicism, which isn't Catholicism, which is often interjected. Uh, the, the principles in this conciliar church are free, Freemasonic. It comes from the Freemasonic sect. So, um, yes. yeah. I, and to, you know, just to wrap up the whole criticism, um, you were, well, not just you, but all Catholics out there. Um, one of the other issues I believe people tend to have besides the whole pedophile thing, but I think that's actually the main issue I think most people have, but those are, you know, from people that, um, don't really know much about the religion and the Vatican and what we just talked about. But furthermore, some people even would say and have said that Catholicism is a cult. And I, I just think that's, that's a little, little too far there to say that. Um, personally, I believe something like Scientology is more leaning towards of a cult. Well, it, de- it depends on how you, like how you, how you mean it, I guess. I mean, to get back to your previous point, that's because those people, uh, shooting arrows from the outside, A, they don't really know what the Catholic Church teaches. They right. think they know that what it teaches. And then I go on and when I'm debating a Protestant and I show actually what the Church teaches, like say what, for example, we worship Mary. Okay, show me one catechism that shows me that we worship Mary. There is no one catechism. There is no one teaching. As a matter of fact, Protestants are so ignorant they don't even realize that in the early church there was a little sect of Catholics who was worshiping Mary, and guess what happened to them? They got excommunicated. Okay, so the Catholic Church actually took action against some purported Catholics like around the year, I forget what it was. I mean, it was in the way early church. I, don't, I can't right. remember. It was like 400 A.D. or whatever. So my point is we don't worship Mary. Uh, you know, praying to the saints and praying to all that it truly is found, uh, in scripture. It's truly found, uh, in the tradition of the church. Um, and I, I can just speak for myself. I got my act together through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, through praying the rosary. I wouldn't have broken from all the addictions if I didn't have, uh, her assistance. So I, you know, that's part of my story too. I'm trying to remember what the the second part. Oh, the cult, whole cult question. Well, in a, in a certain sense, you're, you're right, Michael. We are the cult of the true God. We are we are a cult. We are a cult of God. Now that's it's it's interesting because the terminology that was used at the close of Vatican II by Pope Paul VI, just to kind of summarize my point, as uh, I'm trying to convey to your listeners that we've been taken over by Freemasonry. He basically was calling out to the humanists of the world and anyone who studies and knows Freemasonry, naturalism, things along those lines, knows how intricate humanism, especially secular humanism, is and is connected with um, Freemasonry. You can find that in any lodge. And so at the close of the council in 1965, he he was making a speech, and, and, and just to kind of paraphrase it, 
he, he equated Vatican II to being representative of the cult of man. No, folks. As a Catholic, I don't want to be a part of the cult of man, which is synonymous with the Freemasons. Okay, and it's actually the second step in Satanism, as Father Hess points out. It's literally like the new Tower of Babel being constructed all over again, in which people from all religions are being, you know, making it seem like every anyone from any religion is okay. That's basically what the interfaith movement is. That's what the whole false ecumenical program of Vatican II is. You've got now cardinals saying Jews don't even have to convert to the faith when that runs contrary to Scripture. He who denies the son does not have the father. So whether it's a Jew or a Muslim or anyone, if you deny the son, when you stand before the son in the end, he's going to deny you. It's pretty, it's pretty basic. It's, it's not like complex theology. So we've got heret, we've got a heretical hierarchy. That's what it is. They're not, they're not Catholics. They're like, you're Catholic in name. That's it. And so that's why they avoid me. That's why I get blocked on Twitter by La Observatore Romano and some of the cardinals and some of the, you know, the top prelates in the church. They don't want to debate me because I know I can expose them based upon what the church uh, has always taught. So, um, yeah, I'm proud to call myself a Catholic. Um, it takes it takes some time and some study, like I said, um, on these various issues. But when you break it down, you see how the doctrines that the, you know Protestants will try to raise they're they're in the tradition of the church and oftentimes in scripture and that's what I was getting at before the word of god is scripture and tradition together protestants just say it's bible alone jesus never taught he never taught that at, down to his apostles through the through the earliest writings of his church as a matter of fact it's in scripture uh it's somewhere in thessalonians where saint paul is talking about hold on to the traditions i have taught you either by word or by deed, meaning written down. That's what we call oral and written tradition. Yes. So it's in scripture, actually. Uh, you know, so that, that's what happens is like, you know, Protestants seem to think I got a Bible, I open it and I'm the interpreter. No, that's why Jesus left a church. And I'll even have some Protestants say, well, Jesus never started a church. And I say, well, doesn't scripture say he started a church? <laughs> it says it right, right there, right. Matthew, I think 16. I'm glad, 20. I'm glad I have you on to further clear up some some misunderstandings and i know it is helping some out there who were curious about this sort of thing i, I did want to ask you a little bit about father malachi martin however sure. I, however i thought i could hold off just a little bit before uh bringing him up uh to talk to you a little bit about the nfl eric have you been keeping up with them at all uh probably not as much as I should be. Uh, I did run a piece like about six months ago and it's, it's, a, it's actually a, a newer topic that I'm getting into, but, uh, essentially Freemasons started football. Uh, it came from the Freemasons. Uh, maybe, I don't know if we take a break during the show. I could probably pull up my article. I wasn't prepared uh, to speak on it, but, um, a lot of the hand gestures that are made are actually, you know, like the touchdown signal. I mean, these are all Masonic hand, hand signs. Uh, that kind of fly by. Really? Uh, most, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's a, it's a Masonic game for sure. I was not even aware of that. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally watch a game and I'm a bit perplexed by the NFL's decision for the new rules and, uh, now the introduction to male cheerleaders. Oh yeah, yeah, well that I did, yeah, that I did, I did cover that. Um, yeah, I mean that we're gonna file that one under what? the whole Masonic <laughs> equality thing. And, what, you know, everyone's gotta have their share. And I, you know, I was oh actually my. joking around with my 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 dad about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
And I said, just just wait, they're going to have a transgender quarterback here soon. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to get really bizarre. Well, they already mean, they already have perhaps the first woman who's going to be on the team, on a team rather. Uh, is that the kicker you're yes. talking about? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're already on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could see it. Yeah. You're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, that we're on to something there. I mean, like I said, it's it's it comes from the Freemasons, and they purport and teach, of course, liberty, equality, fraternity. That's something that Americans don't seem to get. And I, I have to keep constantly hashing this over. We were never uh, a Christian country. We were always founded largely by Freemasons. We're we're a Masonic country, uh, and uh, you know, you take a look at the back of your dollar bill, uh, even you know, you, you see pyramids and and the pledging to sure the, the new order of the ages. We're basically the blueprint country for uh, the new world order. Yeah, this is a Masonic it, republic, and the logo of the program reflects that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, Correct. you know, that's the thing. When I was talking about it last night, your lower-level Masons have no idea what's going on. Uh, you know, but the higher-up Masons, they they know that Freemasonry in the end is a Luciferian uh, sect. It's a, you know, religion, 32nd, 33rd degree Masons. You know, that's, that's when you're kind of like really in the club and you really know what's going on. Right. And you basically can't be a world leader without being in the club, so to speak. So without, I personally think yeah, and I without owning someone. Yeah, so I mm-hmm. think Trump is a 33rd degree Scottish Freemason. I think Fra- uh, Pope Francis, he's really an anti-pope. I don't even like using that word, right. pope, but Francis is a high-ranking Freemason. You've got uh, that knucklehead over there, the Kim Jong-un guy. He comes from a long line of <laughs> yes. Freemasons. The Erdo guy, the Erdogan guy is a crypto Jew. He gives all kinds of Masonic hand signs. Well, what's the other knucklehead there in Germany? Merkel. I, you don't get to be one of these guys unless you're not in a club. And then you had uh, Macron, the, the France leader. He came over here to the United States in the past two months. I don't know if you saw those pictures. And uh, the short video I posted where he's pl- he said, you know, between the United States and France, we have got a great opportunity to build a new world order. And you see everyone clapping, including Trump, and he's giving the Bahamut sign out in the, you know, out on the um, the balcony there with Trump. I'm like, listen, you know, I don't, just don't understand how people could be that delusional to think that there wouldn't be some type of conspiracy to usher in, you know, this Antichrist figure. It just it blows my mind. Like people just don't. I don't think they want to just have to deal with reality, period, most of right. them. Right. You know? A lot of them are, are somewhat already brainwashed. They're already pre-programmed. Lots of them are, as Father Malachi Martin would say, perfectly possessed. Yeah, that's an, that's another area that's well said. You know, the brainwashing aspect between, you know, the GMOs and probably all the beefaroni they're eating is just not not a whole lot's clicking up there. You know, it's, it's we really are a dumbed-down society. Charlotte Isabet, who's been on my program a lot, has uh, said, and she was a former head. Of, I think she was a former head of education under Reagan. She's been on my show several times, and she's written a lot of books on this. I've had Dr. Duke Pesta cover this as well. Common Core. Yeah, we're being integrated into the, the new world order, and right. people don't even realize it. What they think it's normal. Like they think like this is the natural progression that we should move into, and they don't realize that they're going to be they're going to have to be subservient to. Uh, this Antichrist figure. You're right. And, and, and it's scary. Right. And to further tag on to that, do you believe there is a war against male masculinity in this country, Eric? Oh, yeah, without a clout, uh, without a doubt. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, just kind of taking a look at the nightly news or commercials or, 
even some of the, the posters and, and billboards that you're seeing going up in Europe, you know, the feminization of, uh, men. I'm trying to think of the guests who I had on recently. Yeah. Doctor. This comes from Dr. the extreme. Doctor Duncan. He's probably right. And we are seeing a lot of this from the extreme left. I, oh, I yeah. truly believe. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, Dr. Duncan was his name. He had a great guest. I had him on for an hour. We talked about that. But it's also in the foods that we eat, too, and a lot of the things that we just ingest into our body, which are actually feminizing guys, giving them, you know, like male boobs and lowering their testosterone levels. And even I think it's plastics. If you drink a lot of plastics, there's a lot of stuff that will make you go sterile. Right, in the water. I mean, they're, they're doing this stuff all on purpose uh, to kind of probably try to create some just some type of neuter person, you know, <laughs> try to get us all down to some, you know, Manhattan project. It is interesting, though, and I'm glad you, you did talk about that on your program because it is a very interesting and fascinating subject. Uh, to talk about seeing how society has been changing. We're seeing uh, this country so divided. Never before has it ever been like this. And it, it, it's truly astonishing to see all sorts of different factions uh, feuding with each other. You're seeing all these riots in the streets. It's almost like end times in a way. It is. And we, we are. There's not, like I said, there's not a whole lot left that the New World Order has to get accomplished, uh, before this guy comes onto the scene. The next major thing will be the economic collapse, the stock market crash here in the West. Again, I've had on some of the top name guests in the economic world. They all say it's imminent, excuse me, including Lynette Zhang, who came on my show this past year and said it will happen 100% by the end of this year. I personally don't think that now. I don't think right. it's going to happen. Uh, that's my own personal take, and but she's you know very well respected. I should be getting her back on soon. But once that happens, per Matreya's writings, he says he'll shortly arrive onto the scene. He's first going to show up here in the United States, by the way, and give his first major speech on international TV here in the United States. So we're going to literally see the biblical Antichrist, in my opinion, first here. And I don't know how you want to quantify shortly, oh whether that's a few months. I don't know if it's a year or two. Uh, you know, as, as people are kind of, you know, like it, it, we're going to turn into another Venezuela or Greece. We'll be digging through garbage cans, you know, shooting zoo animals, probably shooting each other. I mean, unfortunately, I, I hate to make it sound like that. There'll probably be an awful lot of cannibalism. I mean, that's what they want. They want that's what the New World Order motto is. Freemason, Freemason, uh, Freemasonry's motto out of chaos comes order. Yes. And Eric, so they, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but. We are coming up to a break here, and I thought we could both use a little break before we jump back into several of these topics that uh, you wanted to uh, cover here, uh, especially about the Antichrist some more, and, of course, some uh, more questions from the listeners out there I got. And, sure. Yeah. So just um, hang tight, and, and we'll be right back. Eric will – oh, damn, mute button. Sorry about that. Forgot I had you on mute there, Eric. I'm sorry. That's all right. Was that the whole time we were on mute? No, 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 not the whole time. Just right now, I I thought you said something. No, 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 no. I didn't say anything. Okay, yes, but yeah, just hang tight and and we'll be right back. All right, I'm gonna grab a glass of water. All right, perfect. Thank you. 
and welcome back to the program. I'm here with Eric. What's going on? I'm doing pretty good, Michael. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I enjoyed that little break there. Yes, me too. Need a little glass of water and, uh, hopefully we'll get rolling back into, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to cover. I did, I did want to cover why people are wrong on Francis being the biblical false prophet. As I mentioned, it's Protestant yes. saying it, but it's also Catholic saying it now too. And it's, it's not true. Yeah. Let's get into that. Okay. So I did uh, an article, uh, some months ago talking about this because there's, certain characteristics from what these early church fathers said and even from scripture too as to how how this biblical false uh, prophet character would be one of which and it's only six I, I broke it down to six it could have made it more elaborate but just to just to give you an idea uh from scripture and the esteemed theologians of the church they say that the biblical false prophet right who's going to be the the uh robin to the batman he's going to be you know his, his sidekick He's going to have the ability to stir up false signs and wonders in the world, but specifically they make mention of him being able to cause fire to fall from the heavens. Okay, now I'm going to put this bluntly, and I'm going to try to say this without being sarcastic. Do you honestly see the person of Francis calling down fire from heaven anytime soon? Um <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I always say he reads like a, a Sunday morning comic. He's he's more hilarious. Well, what he has to say, it's almost like, did he really say that and mean it type of thing? Uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if he can even get his shoes tied in the morning. And again, I think he's, you know, the reason why I'm so blunt with him, I really truly believe that he's a wolf and he knows he's a wolf. He's a Freemasonic, high-ranking Freemason. He knows what he's doing, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I can't subjectively judge his soul as the church teaches, but... When he, the church teaches, by the way, if you suspect someone of being a Freemason, you avoid them. So in other words, okay. he's a wolf in sheep's clothes. That's it. Okay. So, but anyway, but he, he's like kind of goofy. Like even some of the liberals don't even like him, which is bad. And by the way, oh, yeah. I, I wanted to make this point before I get into the second point, uh, talking about, you know, you, you said your listeners, well, they don't like Catholicism because of, you know, the whole pedo thing. And again, the pedo thing is largely comes from the Freemasons, which have infiltrated the church and the Marxists. Uh, but what people don't realize is Benedict was sort of in the process of getting things squared away in that area. And this very uber liberal left wing new age mafia, they literally call themselves a mafia, Saint, Saint Gallian mafia ousted him. Okay. They got rid of him. He didn't actually really resign as mainstream media said, like on his own. He was coerced to leaving. And this was admitted by their top leaders, Cardinal Martini, Cardinal Daniels. Cardinal Martini, by the way, was a 33rd degree Freemason when once he died, the Freemasons, uh, you know, basically showed up at his funeral and had a big shin bag for him. Like it wasn't any hidden knowledge that he wasn't a Freemason. So my, my point is that that's where they are. They're embedded in the Vatican. So, again, I'm trying to paint the picture. Don't look at the Vatican and say, oh, that's Catholicism. Uh, because I'm looking at it and saying, well, I don't want to be that either because they're modernists. They're not Catholics. <laughs> That's the whole point. Um, so uh, the second thing is, as it relates to Francis not being a biblical false pro prophet, is we, we know that he's going to be the one that is going to set up the Antichrist's image, what everyone calls the abomination of desolation, right? It's in Scripture. Uh, and Father Barry records this on page 138 of his very important uh, writing on the apocalypse. And that hasn't been done yet. There, there's no, you know, setting up of, of, of statues in any place on, on the large scale. I actually do know of some churches and people will email me. It's happening in some areas in Asia. 
you know, that Maitreya Buddha statue. That's essentially what it's going to be, by the way, like that Maitreya Buddha statue that they, they have out there, um, you know, in the far eastern countries. Right. And by the way, by AI technology, that image will come to life. And that's where I bring on Anthony Patch onto my program because that's where artificial intelligence and yes. all the technology, that, that image will literally come to life at one point, as Scripture says. Um, go ahead. Did you want to say something before? I, I could just ramble on. Oh, no. Day. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to <laughs> later bring up uh, the miracle of Fatima, but we, we could say that for later. Yeah, I want to cover that, too, because that, that actually – uh, helps me to refute L.A. Marzulli's claim that Fatima was uh, demonic, and uh, I can share with you a personal I had a, story about yeah, that. Yeah, I had a feeling you would bring him up, so I thought I could sort yeah. of uh, silently, silently, you know, yeah. make sure that in there. Well, we'll get we'll get into that <laughs> after this. The third is he actually hasn't established these new sacraments which are coming. When he shows up, one one of them is going to be this counterfeit baptism, which everyone commonly calls the mark of the beast where everyone is going to basically have to sign seal and deliver their soul over to the devil of course you know the microchip is is a part of that process but that hasn't happened yet uh the fourth and i'm moving very quickly here i could talk probably like 10 minutes on each point but i I know we got i mean you you know certain certain corporations have introduced the whole microchip but not it's not that um mainstream yet right exactly it's still pretty much in uh trial and error type phase yes i agree yeah no doubt about it Mm -hmm. but we're moving in that direction with all the you know the facial recognition payment systems they have now on your phone look at your damn yeah just look at your damn phone wow exactly my goodness uh the fourth is up until this point we know the false prophet is going to point to the Antichrist and get everyone to wonder after him, but then also basically to fa- follow him and worship him. So my question is, if if Francis is the true false prophet, who is the Antichrist? Have you seen him point the finger at anyone and say, okay, this guy needs to be, you know, he's our leader, he's our go-to guy? You know, I mean, who, who has he done that to? What world leader? There, there is none, because he hasn't. So that's another significant sign to indicate that he's not the biblical false prophet. Uh, fifth is... Uh, what's going to be very interesting here is he's probably going to quote unquote resign again. I hold him as an anti-pope, a false pope, so you can't resign from an office that you don't truly have. Uh, but anyway, there's talk of him resigning. So if he quote unquote resigns, that's really going to kill the whole proposition that he's the biblical false prophet because I mean, nothing would have happened. The Antichrist wouldn't have showed up. The mark of the beast wouldn't have happened. You see what I'm saying? So. Right. I'm trying to establish yes. some some logical steps here to conclude how he's not the one. Now, six, uh, and building off an earlier comment, as I mentioned, uh, he hasn't established the mark of the beast. He's going to be the literal one to do that, uh, to get everyone to uh, – and by the way, too, I don't know if you saw this show on. It was yesterday. I saw it right before I was doing a, a media appearance last night. The History Channel had a big show on the last pope, and uh, I've done – Talks on this numerous times, and I see Protestants butchering it. I think the Horn guys, you know, butcher this completely. The Petru, Petrus Romanus, or what I call in my book Peter II, first of all, is a good and holy pope coming who's going to restore the church. He's not an evil pope, as they're making it out to say. Secondarily, the whole St. Malachi, uh, Malachi prophecies, according to most or at least some historians, well-esteemed uh, theologians, historians, is dubious. It's, it's, it's bogus. Uh, so I know a lot of people use that. I used to use it. I try not to use it anymore. 
uh, just because it is kind of more dubious in nature. But nevertheless, there is going to be a good and holy pope who is going to turn things around in the world during or right around the time of uh, the, you know, in the, uh, of the Antichrist during the tribulation. So Peter too, or Petrus Romanus is a good pope. So please, you can't, you know, this is, this is where you have people who are looking from the outside in and they're trying to interpret Catholic prophecy and they're trying to interpret Catholic doctrine. And, and if you're not a Catholic, you just, you're, you're not going to get it right. So unfortunately. Right. And it doesn't help though that the Vatican has been unable to sort of systematically change anything in their organization and get out from under these horrific scandals that keep, um, occurring and repetitively here. <clears throat> Well, I mean, I would argue, Michael, that they're doing it on purpose, though, as I oh, mentioned. My. They're, they're, yeah. try, they're I hope trying not. to put yeah. the Catholic, they're I, trying to put the Catholic Church to shame. I pers- mean, to personally, I, I don't like to think that about humans, you know. I, I try to think in the most positive ways about some people, but that's just not the reality of nature, of the, na- of nature of, of, of man. Man, yeah. man mostly is wolf to man. We see this time and time again. Um, man lies, cheats, and, and hurts others. It, it's just something in our nature. We are all animalistic in a way. Right. Well, that all stems back to the church's teaching on original sin. We're all born into original sin. Right. And unless you're, you're baptized, you have, you don't have an opportunity of getting, uh, to heaven. So by the way, I'm, ag- by the way, I'm ag- agnostic for those out there wondering. Um, I, I don't, uh, well, I'm a, an agnostic atheist, to be honest with you. Just to be blunt. No, yeah, that's fine. I know Rex. I, I've done a leak project. I think Rex is. I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I know Rex identified himself as an agnostic at one point. So, but I don't. The, uh, part of me doesn't completely disagree with with some of the teaching. Some of it's just common sense. Well, it is. It's meant to be logical. Right. And uh, the most common sense theologian, if you if you want to get common sense of Catholicism, just pick up anything that Saint Thomas Aquinas wrote, the Summa Theologica. Just read that. Make that your next. Uh, reading Michael and you'll say, yeah. okay, like, like I get, like I I'm get it now. He very, he very logically explains religion, you know, from, from start to finish. But then what he does is very brilliant. He'll purport like some teaching and then he'll, he'll, uh, give three counterpoints or three counter arguments. Like, okay, this person will say this and then he refutes each and every one very uh-huh. logically, very clear mm-hmm. so that you can understand why the Catholic church is the true church, you know, and just basic doctrines on, on, on morality and all that good stuff. So yeah, I recommend the Summa Theologica. Um, it's a monster book. No doubt. Though. Be, no doubt. Be prepared to read. <laughs> yes. But, and, uh, and, and, um, we are coming to a close here though, Eric. So definitely, you know, let, let's get into whatever else you wanted to talk about. And of course I did want to mention your show yet again. You've been doing lots of great work on your website, your, a Tradcat Night project that you are um, fully, you're fully engaged with, with this project. They're going to be doing all sorts of different things. You're going to be relaunching your website, if I recall. It's, it's already relaunched. We're, we're open now for okay, business. You're, so okay, you're relaunched. Yeah, what I did is I, I switched over. It was on a blog page. It was a, a blogspot.com. Now it's tradcatnight.org. Okay, so all you have to do is just add the org to it. It makes it a little bit more simpler. Simple, but it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, more community based. It's new and improved. I've got chat rooms. I've got links explaining, you know, why Vatican II is wrong. You know, I, I mean, just, it's, it's so much more interactive. 
uh, you know, with the live chats and I allow, actually allow comments because on most, most of my websites I don't allow comments because there's just too much trolling. Too I'm much on it now, by the way. Yeah. I like it. And so, and so, uh, you know, ultimately in the end, it'll, I, I believe it will be integrated to what I believe God is calling me to do in terms of, uh, starting an order in the future when things are at its bleakest, uh, I guess you could put it. So we've got no formal, Approval by the church yet for obvious reasons. Can you imagine if I went to Francis oh, no. and said, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, going to work. <laughs> so, yeah, but, I mean, everything's there. You know, all the live call-on shows are, are backlogged there. We got the, the my, I'm going to start the special guest podcast shows back up in September. And it's real cheap. You know, it's 15 cents a day, five bucks. I ha- I've had everyone renew so far. Like I said, it's, we're a shade, uh, we're, I think it's like five weeks in now and I haven't, I haven't had one person not renew yet. So we've got a hundred percent renewal rate. Oh my. And That's good. Uh, every, everyone loves it. Very you good. Know? So, um, you did want to talk about, did you want to cover the miracle of Fatima oh, really yeah. quickly? I mean, I could cover that yeah. in like five, ten minutes. Let's, let's go. talk about the miracle of Fatima of, I believe, October of 1917. If, if I, if, if that's accurate, is it? Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I knew, I, I think, um, how should I put this? Well, let's just start with Marzulli, I guess, first. Oh, first yes. Let, let's get let me, into that. Let me, let me backtrack with Uh-oh. that. Uh-oh. Um, you know, I had him on my program. Let's see. It was probably six months before he released that whole thing, and I didn't know he was working on it. He didn't tell me he was working on it, and he was one of my guests. He was on my show. We were talking about the Nephilim and, you know, all Red-headed kinds of stuff. Red-headed giants, he yes. <laughs> yeah, giants, the Afghan giant. Yeah, that, that's what it was. And so we, we were talking off air beforehand for about an hour, and within the first like five minutes or so, he brought that up. Well, his, his general statement was, um, "Well, you know, most of these Marian apparitions are, are false." And I said, "That's actually true because most of them are false. I mean, the church teaches that typically, like one out of every thousand is an authentic, you know, Marian apparition site, especially the modern ones, because." The modern ones, you know, the seers are saying, you know, all religions are good or they're saying, I mean, it, it completely runs contrary to Catholic teaching. The Blessed Virgin Mary isn't saying any of that stuff. Correct. So that's, so that's what I always look for is with, you know, what the seers are saying that the Virgin Mary supposedly said. And once you see it contradicts tradition, you know, it's bogus. So anyway, so he, he starts talking about, uh, Fatima and he said, well, well, you know, this one's false too. And I said, why so? So he, he starts going into it and he starts going to his whole spiel like he did in his documentary. You know, it's, you know, it was demonic and blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, LA, your premise doesn't even make sense. First of all, up, building up until that point of the miracle, uh, of, of the sun, which is commonly called in the Catholic world, people were mocking, you know, the girls, uh, the Freemasons were actually trying to get a hold of, uh, the seers as well. They were persecuted by the Masons in the area. Uh, and people showed up that day. It was about a hundred thousand people, and most of them were atheists. They were Masons, and they were there to, to mock them. I mean, it wasn't necessarily predominantly Catholic. And guess what? They saw it. They saw, and they converted to the church. So the Blessed Virgin Mary said she was going to give this sign unto man, and it basically, you know, the day the sun danced, as it recalled, and some people who were there thought it was going to be the end of the world. I mean, the sun really started flipping out to such a level where. You know, even atheists got on their knees and they started praying because they really thought it was the end. That's how crazy it got. So he's he's trying to make the case that it was demonic, but from we know from what we know from scripture, how does how does Satan cast out Satan? He he can't divide his own kingdom. He, the devil wouldn't want atheists and Freemasons in the Catholic Church or to convert to Christianity. And so he just sat and he says, 
He didn't offer me anything. And, and we went kind of point by point, and he didn't say anything to what I had to say. I was like, and I didn't know at that time. Had I known he was making that documentary, I was going to be, you're going to, you're going to look really stupid, LA, oh, putting that out there. Cause then I had to come out in public and I do these shows and I have to say where he's wrong. And I would debate him any day of the week on any public show on these points. Uh, he, he, probably doesn't, he doesn't stand a chance. He probably wouldn't do that though. No, I know he wouldn't do that because he's a coward. A lot of these guys uh, that are very passionate about a subject, once you really sit down and talk to them and sort of just bring up a few different points and question them just just a tad, you'll get so much resistance. And that's when you start to realize that some of these people, well, they're not exactly accurate with a lot of what they're saying. Well, that's that's just it, you know, and I, I kind of put it out there kind of a little bit sarcastically. Like, I don't know if he was, you know, short on rent. He needed mortgage money. I mean, he needs something to throw out to the public because Fatima is obviously a very hot topic, and the third secret obviously is very hot. But, again, when you don't know what you're talking about, you know, and you just start, you know, you're already going into a subject with anti-Catholic big, bigotry, you're, you're going to start just pulling anything out. So, you know, you know, listen, why would, if it was demonic, why would the, you know the devil, who according to you know a lot of Protestants, you know acting through Mary, warn people about the apostasy in the church? Why would she be warning about a coming one-world religion? Why would she? Why would she warn soul that most souls were going to hell? And she warned about all the immodest fashions of our time and how a lot of the marriages these days that we we you know like the. Divorce rates like 50% in the Catholic Church. I mean, she predicted all this stuff. She forewarned us of this stuff for a reason. The devil doesn't do that. The devil wants you to go to hell. He, he wants you, you know, from a theological standpoint, not to come to truth. He, he doesn't want you to know there's Masons and Marxists in the Vatican. Why would he, why would the devil do that? So he, he's got no leg to stand on, you know, with his arguments other than, you know, I think this, you know, it, it, you know, it was demonic and, it, you know, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, there's nothing. A, there's no nothing scientific to 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 prove what he's trying to say. Because actually, science actually proves it. And, and by the, the way, exact opposite. By the way, Eric, have you talked to him since this um, conversation? No, I haven't. I haven't messaged him at all. But you know, I, I go. I do a lot of these shows, and I kind of talk to like obvious friends of his. Uh, and and uh, so I'm sure okay. it, it may have gotten back. You know, I'm sure it's gotten back to him because I've done videos on it and. uh you know, I've called him out. I've even done a, a, a blog on it, calling him out on all his errors. And, you know, you know, how, how does, how does, how does one try to refute the arguments that I just said? You can't because atheists and Freemasons don't, don't convert to Christianity because, uh, it was, you know, some kind of, you know, demonic disc in the sky. That's true. I mean, you know, you got a point that doesn't there. happen. That, that happens by grace, by, by grace alone. I mean, I, I'm the first one to know that because at a certain point, like I said, I couldn't stand religion in general. I, I didn't even doubt in a God at one point, you know, when I kind of hit rock bottom. So it took, it took prayer. It took grace, you know, and unfortunately, I'm very blunt when I say it, you know, these poor people who speak in such fashion, they're cut off. They're cut off from God. They can't see. They don't have the grace that they're talking about. You know, and I, and I'm, I'm just very blunt with Protestants who come up to me and they tell me they're, they're full of the Holy Ghost and blah, blah, blah. Jesus was at their bedside in the morning and here they are, you know, rambling and running their mouth off, you know, uh, you know, about the teachings of the church or on purgatory. I'm like, no, the Holy Ghost is not in you. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, <laughs> are you, are you sure? Cause I've, I've had several people say some, some things like that, like God talks to them and so forth and so forth. And I'm thinking, are you sure that's God? 
<laughs> no, it's 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 them trying to convince themselves that uh they're okay with God, but unfortunately, like I said, you know, truth truth is truth and uh it, it takes time investigating and uh you know, I encourage everyone to, to, to again, to get to the website, tradcatnight.org, because, you know, I, I post a lot of stuff on Fatima, especially with the lots third of, secret of Fatima. Yeah, lots of information uh, on your website. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's information uh, overload. I mean, I've actually had some people say, you know, to slow it down a little bit, and I'm trying <laughs> trying to get out as much as I can so that I can paint a very vibrant picture that this is where we're at. I mean, we're in those times that, that Jesus warned about, so, you know, I've got the daily – the middle section there, the timeline, I got like 20 plus blogs on a daily basis. It's, it's more like a newspaper. It reads more like a newspaper. And, you know, again, it's interactive. I got the Twitter feed along the right hand side. There's a lot of clickable images, resources. Like if you want to find out more about the apostasy in the church, there's clickable links. And, uh, you know, I really hope that some of, some of your people who are of goodwill, you know, will come over. Cause I, I have, like I said, I have Protestants. I have people who, are just kind of like neutral on everything. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll come and check it out and they're interested in Planet X or prophecy or just end times in general and just kind of take it from there. Yeah, they're all fascinating subjects and everyone out there always wants to learn something new. Uh, sometimes you get Catholics or Christians and, and they'll check out something they're opposed to and perhaps they'll like it even. And, and that's when opinions on certain things change. Yeah, and that's all you can do is just, you know, kind of plant those seeds that's and, you, uh, you know, that, that's all you can really do. It takes time, you know, like I said, to arrive at the conclusion that I have. For sure. I believe, I believe that I just, I have, I've had more time to be able to look into these subjects, whereas people who do their nine to five, maybe they, they can only get an hour in a day. I mean, I, I can, you know, put eight to 10 hours in on a daily basis to, to not only study the faith, to, to, to have arrived at the truth in terms of what the church has truly taught and why it's the true religion. But I'm, I'm talking about all these other issues too, you know, whether it's, you know, on prophecy or planet X or this or that. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, it's very educational. I think you'll find if you come to my website. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, fantastic information. And um, Eric, I, I hate to do this, but we are coming to a, a very, very near end to the interview. But I was curious, outside of, of church and um, all, all the studying and all the research being done, what, what other things are, are you into, Eric? Uh, I mainly read. I do, like I said, a lot of writing, working on my book. Uh, I actually like to write a lot of poetry. So I actually have a, a decent amount of poetry that's kind of follows my journey you know my spiritual journey from from where i was to who you know where i am today but yeah i'm still trying to get back into sports a little bit i just picked up a basketball the other day like i said i was really good you know in college um you know probably like considered to be like the top college athlete when when i was in school the coach wanted me to or the uh, athletic director wanted me to stay and coach at the university before i, I packed up and moved so Sports has always been kind of, you know, in my life. I, I like to watch football too, just like probably most people, you know, on Sunday. There, you know, there's nothing evil or, or sinful, you know, about that. But, um, you know, you have to be careful about distractions. You, you don't want to, you know, like if, if your team loses and, and, and you're crying at the end of it, then you know you got a problem. Yeah, yeah that's too much. <laughs> you're detached. You need some help. Yes, you need some help. And I used to be like that, by the way. I was, oh, no. I was really into it, um, you know, way back when. But, uh, yeah, so sports, you know, I enjoy walking, you know, reading, writing, 
Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty simple. It's, it's not very overly, I'm not very overly complex and I'm so, I'm so busy with the, with the, with the website yeah, and answering questions. It, it takes over. I really have a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. It consumes you for sure. And that happens even doing this program. I don't, I don't do it too often yet. It, it completely takes over my life. I have to say. Yes. And one thing, if I could add, uh, to outside of the website, tradcatnight.org, uh, I, I hope you all get to my YouTube channel, uh, Tradcat Night, because starting in September, I'm going to start doing webcam live streams, so you'll be able to see me, and then you can, you know, like, ask the questions and stuff like that. It's all new to me, but I was on, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, uh, Pete McCarthy from Creepy Little Book, Michael. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stuff, but he covers, like, New World Order stuff and sort of like esoteric yeah. stuff too. Very, I very, I would say kind mm-hmm. of similar stuff to what I think you cover. I don't believe I have heard of, of this gentleman. Yeah, check, check out YouTube, uh, creepy little book. I was on his show. Oh. You actually see my interview. It was from like two or, well, maybe two days ago. And that went really well. You know, most I'll of, check most it out. Of, yeah. Yeah. He's you know, actually a Catholic, but he, he, like he, he covers it all too, basically. It's very similar to what I do. And, uh, you know, he runs that whole live chat thing. And so he was, Kind of explain it to me. But anyway, I'm going to be doing that starting in September. So that's another reason why you're going to want to subscribe so you can get these live chats. And I'm going to be bringing on guests, you know, talking about Planet X, talking about prophecy, all the big name guests. So you guys can sit down, you know, interact, ask the questions, and hopefully that'll, you know, make, make for a good evening for people who don't want to necessarily sit in front of the TV, you know, for a few hours. So fantastic. Well, Eric, it's been an honor and pleasure to speak to you once again. And we'll have to do this again in the near future. Absolutely, Michael. Appreciate it. All right, Eric. Well, once again, go ahead and plug the main website and perhaps give us one last final word before you venture off. Sure. Okay. The website's tradcatnight.org. Hope to see you all there. It's $5 a month. Works out to be 15 cents a day. Again, all types of people are there. I'm accessible to you. If you've got questions, you can email me at apostleofmaryhotmail.com. And truly, in the end, uh, you know, I, I just want to reiterate that, you know, we as Catholics, um, we, we know for the most part what's about to happen, uh, so to speak, with the church. I'm talking about real Catholics. I'm not talking about those following Vatican II that just, they don't get it. Um, and so I do my best as a part of my apostolate to keep people in faith and hope. So when I use the eagle as a symbology, which, by the way, it, it stems back to Catholic herald, heraldry. Back in the good old medieval times, this uh, symbol was used in the Catholic Church, and then the Freemasons ripped it off. I always get accused of being a Freemason because I have a <laughs> double-headed eagle. I'm yes. like, come on, seriously, dude? Uh, so, no, I'm not a Freemason. Uh, but the bottom line is, is the, the Freemasons, uh, stole that symbol, Scottish Freemasonry. I get accused, I get accused every other day of being a CIA agent and a Freemason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. God. I get all, all kinds of things. It's hard to keep up with some of the accusations, but, um, yeah, so the double-headed eagle stands for, uh, represents both church and state, because according to the Catholic religion, they are married. This whole idea of separation in church and state is a Masonic ideal, which of course we find here in this country, because I've already explained how we are a Masonic country, not a Christian country. Word. Uh, and, uh, the bottom line is, uh, we want to remain in faith and hope. That's the message of Fatima. Yeah, all these bad things are going to happen. It's all meant for the conversion of mankind. It's all to draw you closer to God, and and oftentimes, I mean, you could just, you know, even for me, uh, Michael, when I was going through everything that I went through and I got hit with everything all at once, it was necessary because at that point I was so prideful 
Yeah. That was the only thing that was going to get me to turn around was just to get bombarded by everything all at once. And so the that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is the pain. Everything is going to implode. Right. Yeah. And, you, you uh, first you had to suffer to return, which which is good. Exactly. So kind of like the yeah, kind of like the the, the story of the, uh, the prodigal son in, in in scripture. I mean, suffer you realize you're wrong, yeah. and, and you're 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 meant to come back basically. So mm-hmm. that's what God has to do. He's got to unfortunately take out the rod of correction here and. You know, we're, we're, I, I just liken it to a great storm coming. We are eagles. We're meant to keep our wings spread in faith and hope. And, you know, if you don't keep your wings spread, what happens to an eagle if he jumps off a cliff and doesn't keep his wings spread? He's, he's going to crash and burn, right? Splash. So, so that's what is, that's what you find in all these Marian apparitions over and over again, Michael, is only faith and hope will survive. That's literally one of the last lines that our Lady Lasslet says during our end times. Only faith and hope will survive. So the, the the wings of the eagle are faith and hope, and the eyes are charity. Our eyes are, stay wide in charity, to, you know, to stay locked in on truth, if you will. And so I agree. Uh, and, and by the way, um, bef- one last thing is David D still doing your artwork. Uh, I actually asked him to do a Matreya piece for for me some time ago, and I I had him on the program. I don't know if you saw us, but I. No, you wouldn't have seen it because it's only on my my uh, special guest podcast section. I actually did a a live call-in show. If, if anyone's interested, again, you got to get to the to the website tradcatnight.org. He was on with Patrick Wood from Technocracy uh, News, and uh, he came on and we started talking. He's he's changed a little bit. He's like, very last time. he's so invasive with me. Um, with me, I'm not quite sure why. I did well, invite him. Did. Yeah, I invited him be, to be a guest on the program, and he told me he he was a little nervous. Well. Like, I don't I'm like, know how what? to explain it. I, I didn't, <laughs> I don't know. Something might happen in his life to where he just, he really doesn't want to talk about the he new doesn't. world order anymore. He really doesn't. Yeah. I, and it was strange because I didn't know that, like, going into the interview. So, like, I had all these questions lined up yeah. and, you know, to k- kind of keep the talk going. And, he, like, he didn't want to talk about any of this stuff. So I was like, you know, what in the world do I talk about? Well, he wanted to talk about his rabbit and his garden. And oh, it was just no. like, it was very awkward. Isn't it confusing? Uh, that's confusing to hear because, like, again, I, I did invite, invite him to be uh, interviewed here one-on-one and he was a little uncomfortable. So I said, what if I bring in Jim Fetzer? Would that make you less uncomfortable? And then he said no because he really likes Jim and he doesn't want to uh, say something that would I don't know. He said something along those lines, and I just thought, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe he's just going through something, you know. Perhaps, I mean, like, yeah. you know, maybe he's, you know, it's just something going on in his life, and I, you know, I don't want to judge him on that. But he, he just, from when I last had him on over a year ago, he just like changed tremendously. Where he doesn't want to talk about New World Order, he doesn't want to talk about Paul. I mean, he didn't want to talk about any of the stuff that we talked about before, and I didn't know that going to the interview. So it was like we ended up talking about how he was, he, he talks to his orange and, oh, and, and animate objects and stuff, and it was like. I was like a little taken back to where like I didn't I didn't really know even how to proceed in in the interview. I don't blame you. I probably would have ended it pretty shortly. Yeah. Well, you know, I stuck it out and I kind of rolled with the with the punches and uh, you know he was he was a good sport you know in the end. But yeah, I was just it was was definitely very awkward. And uh, I think he said that he was just going to be working on his cryptocurrency. Like his cartoons going forward would be going to be. Just about cryptos, basically, not like really anything else. So that's why he basically denied me because I wanted him to do a Maitreya piece for me, the guy that I think is the Antichrist. And or, yeah. He kind of shot that down. So, mm. yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with our friend David Dees over there, but whatever it is, hopefully he gets over it. 
Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I like, you know, he's a good guy, but, um, you know, we obviously disagree in certain areas. It almost seems like he got like very like metaphysical and new age-ish too. Like he was all about like vibes and like, uh, har- harmonious and like, I mean, I don't know. I don't even That's remember what, what happens. Was before. That's what happens. I <laughs> so I think, I think he kind of dabbled into the new age or, or something. Yeah, uh, I'm not quite in. sure, but you get sucked into that. Trust me, I, I'm out here near LA, so, you know, I've lost many friends to that. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, so Eric, once again, thank you so much for spending so much time here on the program. I know it's been a long day for both of us, so once again, thank you so much, and we'll do it again next time, and I'll see you on the flip side, Eric. All right, take care now, All buddy. Right, good night. And that was my guest, Eric Gajewski. Fantastic guest, and of course, if you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. looking at a remarkable idea, an idea that has intrigued and attracted and literally thrilled thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children. And you, my friends, are about to witness this idea become a reality, for this is the story of the miracle sea in the desert. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm the host and producer of this wonderful program. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. My guest this evening is Mr. Robert Stanley, formerly a corporate journalist for Honda Research and Development. Robert is currently employed as a corporate editor for International Social Compliance Service. He is the author of two groundbreaking books, Close Encounters on Capitol Hill, Covert Encounters in Washington, D.C. He is the webmaster of UnicusMagazine.com and is the host of Unicus Radio Hour. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here wherever you are out there in the universe somewhere. Right now, I do have Mr. Robert Stanley on the line. Let's bring him in. Not much, Michael. It's nice to speak with you again. You know, it truly is. It's always very fun and interesting to have you here on the program. I always look forward to our discussions. There's so much to go over as well. And my goodness, it's it's a very special evening, right? Well, I think every evening's special if you make it that way. I mean, uh, I try and I try and do that for myself and my family. Yeah, I mean, I consider this a very special evening for myself since it is kind of early. Usually, I start the show in about an hour, and going early reminds me of the old days, and I kind of like going early nowadays. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, it it brings me back. And Robert, what's what's going on with you all the way out there in Hong Kong? I'm um, just working, but uh, I've I've resumed hosting 
my show, the Unicus Radio Hour, and I've been fortunate enough to be joining the KGRA team. Uh, so, you know, as you've, if you've listened, you know, there's some really fantastic hosts, great shows, great guests, and, um, yeah, I just sort of fell into that. Very, very nice. And of course, you've always had a history of doing this sort of thing. You're always into the radio aspect of this field. Uh, since late 2006, so I think when I, when I first got offered a, a, a chance, and uh, I, and then, uh, I, I really didn't start it till 2007, only did a few shows, uh, and, uh, it wasn't really what I wanted. Uh, it wasn't my idea, actually, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, somebody heard me on Coast to Coast and said, oh, hey, you'd be great hosting your own show. And so I tried it, but it was it was very uh, low end, low budget, uh, didn't really feel professional enough for me. So put it on hold. Right. Eventually, I did again uh, some years later when my second book came out, uh, Covert Encounters in Washington, D.C., I decided I would go ahead and try it again and uh, produce it myself as opposed to having somebody else help me. And so it's just, it's gradually evolved. It ta- I, I go on these long hiatuses, and uh, the good thing is when I come back, it's actually better. So I guess like fine wine, it needs to ferment a while. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. It, it is kind of difficult to just start up a show, and then once you actually hear the final product, you're never happy, and then that's what really discourages a lot of people from going forward with whatever project because they've had, yeah. yeah, you get this vision in your head and then all these other things come at you. And that's, that's like yeah. life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, technical difficulties are the worst, especially when you're right. producing your own show, as you know. <laughs> oh God. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's, not, it's absolutely a nightmare. And, um, so, uh, but anyway, I, yeah, the, the other good thing about what I'm doing now is I actually have a producer again and, and, um, they're helping me get the show out more. Uh, and, um, I, I redid the entire intro and, uh, with the help of the owner that I actually wrote the, the intro, but he helped me do a really nice voiceover and I, we put the music together oh, and nice, yes. it's cool. I like it. I think it sounds good. I've actually heard your show. Okay. I good. do like it. You, you do have a good presentation and, <laughs> and that's the thing. Lots of people don't really like the format. Um, say five, six months into it, you're still not really happy. You haven't quite felt like the groove yet you haven't felt like you gone into some sort of rhythm that you're you'd be happy with like you said you're you're on these like little hiatuses and then you come back it's a it's a it's one of those things that everyone kind of experiences but you have to keep going forward with it yeah so um Okay, so a little behind the scenes. You and I do, agreed to do this host to host. Right. As it, <laughs> such as it is. Um, I typically don't think of myself as a host. I, I mean, obviously I'm interviewed more than I've, I think, than I've actually hosted shows. But, um, yeah, I, I do feel like I'm finally there where I want to be as far as a host. I, I don't really prefer having guests or callers. Um, there's just, and there's very few hosts that can do this where you just carry an entire two hour show by yourself. Um, I, I guess it's just a bit, you know, narcissistic in some way, but also I just have such a, a tremendous amount of information I just want to share with people. And, um, because I know every second we have on the air is actually quite precious, especially these days. Everything is under threat of censorship or just being yanked entirely. So, um, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, like, I, there was a point in my life where I just wanted to hang it all up and retire from this field because it just, it, I just felt like I wasn't making any progress and, uh, or typically the general public didn't care. And most, I guess most of them still don't, but I've noticed that there's a lot more people that have become awakened 
in the past decade. Right. And and it would be unfair not to address them with or share some of the stuff that I've come across uh, in in my research, which is daily. Uh, so it it kind of it stacks up, and it's it's a great way an outlet for me to share um, informations and, and, and insights. Certainly, certainly. And this whole radio aspect that you've been doing, mm-hmm. was this something you've ever, well, it wasn't something you ever really wanted to get involved with. I never even thought yeah, of it. you no, never but, thought look, of it. But you, look, Michael, it's really, it used to be really difficult to get into radio. Oh, uh, no, they, I know. Nowadays, everyone and their mama has Everybody a show. does it. Yeah, they, they sure. And it's true. Anybody can speak, but not everybody can host a show or host it well enough to keep the attention, especially when you have so much competition out there these days. Uh, and I'm not doing it to compete. I'm just saying um, it's really holding an audience, especially for two hours, is, is – um, <laughs> No, it's not. Oh, it's no. not. But I, and I really don't know what the numbers are, and I don't care. All I know is when I see like the trend um, through one of the apps for streaming. I mean, because right. everybody's streaming now. Even if you're a terrestrial radio station, uh, they all have streaming. So Correct. all the top guys are out there. And like the other day, I was looking. I would I, my show was a rebroadcast. It was uh, a couple clicks ahead of Alex Jones in that particular time zone. That's frame, pretty good. Whatever. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I mean, I don't need to be at the top, but uh, if I was at, if I was hovering at the bottom, <laughs> yeah, you would have felt too good. I know what you mean. I'd be like, oh, jeez. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you, well, it, I'm glad you have that that much self awareness that yeah. you would know when to sort of silently walk away, <laughs> because just because you could do something doesn't mean you should. No, 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 no. Especially these days, I would. I think it actually drives me nuts is to see people. Um, Sitting in their bedroom or whatever, uh, pontificating or, or just, you know, going into some kind of just spastic, uh, nonsense about, you know, whatever's bothering them, basically, uh, opining about things and, and, um, you know, especially politics. Um, most people think that they can do punditry. They don't, most people don't even know what that word is. Um, political pundits are people that are actually professionals in their field. Um, and, and just to engage in, in sharing your opinion with the world, um, you know, look, great, everybody's got opinion. But <laughs> as you said, maybe we don't, the whole world doesn't need to hear it. That's correct. And since you brought up censorship and all of yeah. that, we, we have been seeing a lot of that going on here in America. And especially with masculinity in America, that seems to be under attack. Well, sure, because it's kind of holds the things together um as and it's true especially true for the family hollywood has done a number on the nuclear family and i do think that was part of the communist manifesto if i read it correctly that you know destroying the nuclear family um and creating a state-run system uh for everybody for society uh uh, yeah so it's it's not it's not a pretty picture it certainly isn't it certainly isn't and going back to your upbringing, um, Robert, you, of course, spent yep. lots of time in Malibu, and you were actually a contactee. Uh, yeah, still am. If You, you saw still are, the, right. Yeah. My goodness, saw Robert, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I do. I'm, I'm starting to figure it out more, which I, is I, nice. And that's, yes, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm so excited because <laughs> I was looking at your website, and, and so yep. many questions came to mind, especially the photo okay. of your, your father's photo. The oh, 35 millimeter, correct? The blue uh, orb. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That was taken with the right. that's actually Kodak slide film from oh. way back in the mm-hmm. day uh, when everybody shot with film, and um, it was he always shot slides um, because it was just easier. He liked to project them. Uh, you know, back we in the day, everybody had projectors. I mean, it was boring, but that was that was the considered multimedia back then. You know? Right, and see, yeah. this is where I'm getting at. You okay. definitely are a contactee, and yeah. you've seen all these things before. And I remember on a previous show, this took me back, I had recalled asking you about your parents and if you have ever discussed this subject with them. And oh. the reason is because I've noticed this sort of pattern that people who are contactees, usually it's it's a parent or someone in the family that has experienced this sort of thing before. It, mm-hmm. it, it seems like there's this weird pattern yeah, and generational even, kind of thing. Yeah, right. usually. Mm-hmm. And even not go, not for me. Go ahead. Oh, nothing like that. No, no. And in fact, nobody in my family has has had uh, contact, uh, but they uh, and they're not interested in this stuff. Actually, I oh, mean, my dad out. kind of knew about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but no, none of my, not even you know one generation beyond that. As far as I know, none of my grandparents had any kind of involvement in the paranormal. So, yeah, it's just me. Just you, okay. <laughs> Lucky me. And and what about what about the wife? Does she know about oh, yeah. the fo- Okay, yes. so she's on board. She's had contact too. That's oh, how we met. Oh my goodness. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, she she just come back from Peru, uh where she was first she started having um contact in the astral plane. There was entities showing up in her apartment in Venice Beach, California. And I think that was 1990. Yeah, it was it was yes, it was a few months before we met, so she was having this weird contact with these various entities, some human, someone, one little reptilian, some greys, um, uh, and uh, they told her, they basically told her exactly where they were based out of, somewhere near Paraguay on a river. So she looked it up, and things were, I mean, she was working in advertising at the time. She wasn't really interested in these matters, but they seemed to be very interested in her, and um, so she went to Peru. For a couple of weeks and had close encounters there, including the very last end of the, the trip was at Lake Titicaca. And she and her roommate were taken out of the room by a ball of light um, and into an underground city. So, yeah. So anyway, she came back. She started Unicus magazine. And that's when we met at a UFO conference in Los Angeles. And she swore that she knew me, which I get that a lot. But I mean, it was kind of strange because. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, she she was convinced that we'd met before. That's like a love story, Robert. I must say. I know. It's very romantic. <laughs> in a in a weird way, it is. But I mean, there's all right. So it's it's part of the backstory to um uh the this this extended family of extraterrestrials that we've been cut off from to some extent. We've been quarantined, and the way I understand it right now is that uh there's a some of their psychopathic criminal element were quarantined here with us a long time ago. And w- the analogy that I think is appropriate would be Australia with the Aborigines. Nobody asked them if, it, you know, when the British Empire said, you know, we're going to uh, dump our undesirables here on in your <laughs> oh, yes. in your home, in your backyard. Um, well, it's true. I hope you don't hope you don't mind, old chap, but we're going <laughs> to drop off our our criminals so, um, yeah, that's what they basically did here. The Anunnaki or whatever you want to call them, uh, did that. If I understand it correctly, I mean, it, you know, it's the way it happens to me when I hear something like that, or I read it, I think, Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if it's true. And then 
shortly after I'll, I'll see it from a different source and I'm thinking, well, that probably means confirmation. I'm not saying it's 100% accurate because how do you prove something like that? But it kind of, I started, the more I started to think about it, I realized that actually makes a lot of sense, uh, why things are so screwed up here. Certainly. And ETs, as we know, there are multiple factions, just like here on earth, there's good versus evil, right or wrong. Yeah. Uh, and that goes on everywhere. Um, Alistair Crowley at one time, many, many moons ago, he performed a ritual called the Elementra workings and he yep. conjured up and manifested an ET named Lamb. My, yep. my question for you is, are these extraterrestrials, the fallen ones, uh, are these entities evil or are they bad? Well, yeah, if they've been quarantined here, there was a reason for it. Um, I think Michael Salas said that they were psychopathic, which I agree with that for sure. Some of them are how they got that way. That's still a matter of debate. Um, but the, but could they be here? Have they been here a long time? I would have to say yes. And, um, they're up to no good. And it would also explain why the psychopathic humans among us, uh, seem to always rise to positions of power and are somehow protected. Mm, yes. Very interesting correlation there because you yeah. are right on the money on that, on that uh, assessment there. We, we see this time and time again. And another thing just to add here, I've noticed in America today, corporations have become even bigger than government. It's quite <laughs> yes. astonishing, even with, um, Apple, for instance. Yep. Remember when all that was going on and they were fighting with the FBI? Yeah. That's amazing, right? Well, yeah, but they, right, but they have obviously, uh, ties to these other groups outside the, I can't, there's certain things I can't talk about because I'm outside the country and I really don't want to get a knock on my door. Oh my goodness, yes. We don't want to do that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so I'm not going to talk about certain groups that Apple's involved with outside the U.S., but, um, uh, they're not to be trusted. My phone is, uh, acting crazy. I have an iPhone 8 plus and it was, um, uh, through the new Skype, it was, uh, making calls on its own. Oh my. Um, that's not good. No, to a, a friend who's a, uh, retired but active duty military officer gets a call from me, says, Robert, you just called me. I said, no, I didn't. I was sound asleep, sir. Um, so he's like, oh, well, that must be the NSA then. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know who it is, but it's going through Apple. So, um, or maybe it's Skype itself, as you and I were talking off the air, that the, the Skype is not secure at all. Um, and so I don't know who's really running that, but it's I would imagine the NSA I, has their yeah. hands in that. John McAfee, he says that there is no such thing as security on the Internet. And no. I completely agree. There's all sorts of back doors and all sorts of ways to compromise one's computer. And I would yes. know because I was very much into that in the early 2000s, obsessed, mm. uh, just completely obsessed with it. But sometimes, you know, you, you grow older and all that sort of, all that sort of a chaos you were into sort of just kind of dwindles away as you mature. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking personally, you know, of course. Yeah. So the other thing is that people need to be aware of is the, uh, so-called social media, uh, is obviously designed to spy on us. And it's actually now it's, we're starting to see what it really is. Anti-social media. It's there to not only spy on us, but provoke us to be more divided than ever. So it's, it's, it's cutting us off in, from having direct human interaction. And, but it's, it's also provoking us to be more, uh, divided than, and polarized than ever. 
Yes, that's something I, I definitely cover on my program all the time. Okay. The fact that everything now is so divided, uh, mostly yeah. because of, well, to be honest, because of politics. It seems to show its ugly face in every sort of facet in life. Yeah, I, that's why I don't really participate in politics. I'm I'm aware aware of it only because it's dangerous. You know, you it, can't avoid it. it, it though. Is, it's in everything. Yeah, it it affects everything. That's right. Um, this latest thing that I find extremely disturbing is this um this woman that Donald Trump had hired from the reality show. Oh, um, Omarosa. I call her Obamarosa. <laughs> um, Hilarious. Yeah, she she is a uh, um very dangerous individual she obviously planned ahead she premeditated that whole thing that she was going to do i looked her up the other day and apparently uh she's currently married to some new guy but the previous husband um the family actually sued her because she had um somehow convinced her husband to i guess he was a famous actor she she somehow convinced him to change his will before he died, oh my! Uh, when, when he was under the influence of drugs or something, he was in some semi-coherent, and so she had him change the will so that he left everything to her. She's quickly started selling all his stuff off, and uh, so she is. It's not even a. I mean, it's obvious she is a really, really evil individual. Certainly, and the only person that can be blamed for that is Donald Trump himself for even mm-hmm. hiring this woman. Someone who yeah. had no business in the White House, yet he allowed her to go in there. And honestly, you, you can't really blame anyone else except Donald Trump for that one. Yeah. No, I agree. That's his fault. I absolutely agree. What on earth was he thinking, Ryan? Well, look, she didn't reveal herself entirely. She didn't. He didn't. You got to like, I'm not making excuses for the man, but if I was in his shoes, uh, the thing is, he's obviously juggling a lot of dishes at once. Sure, sure. So I don't think he he vetted her thoroughly. Uh, he thought he knew her, but see, this is how psychopathic, narcissistic individuals operate. They never show you their true face. And then they'll turn on you, yeah. <laughs> in a, on a dime, because they were planning it all along. Yeah, going back to something I told you in the previous show, people wear, uh, three masks. Uh, three, okay. One that they only show themselves, one that they show family and friends, mm-hmm. and one that they show the world. Wow. And there's that one that doesn't show anyone uh, <laughs> who they truly are. And that's uh, Asian philosophy type of thing I, I've heard many moons back. But this is this is a fact. Yeah. And it's terrible. Well, yeah. But I mean, so, OK, speaking of Asian, uh, you know, in India, they say that everything here is Maya, an illusion. And I have to agree at some point, you know, the Matrix is an illusion that was crafted. And I used to think that it was something that the fallen ones had created. I'm starting to wonder now if, in fact, it was created for them uh, in in order to imprison them here. Yes, and one thing that came to my mind, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but earlier on in the program I was going to say all the way from the Pearl of the Orient. (laughs) Is that that the proper nickname? (laughs) You could call it that, yeah. I've heard I've heard that referred to it once, and I wasn't sure if that's something you could say um, nowadays. Oh, sure. Yeah, I I mean, you could Oriental. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, some people get really you know very. Yeah, everything. Everybody's triggered by something these days, uh, unless you work very hard at shielding yourself and um, seeing through this deception. But yeah, Hong Kong actually is a word that it's a phrase. It means uh, fragrant harbor. 
because it used to be back in the day, um, uh, people were cooking using wood and also uh, specifically there was a, a tree that used to grow. It was prolific here. The sap was oh, the very, sap, very right. fragrant. You, wow. You I know, know that. Yeah. It, it smelled like incense mm-hmm. and they did that. They burned it. Copious amounts of it were burned by the local people because, um, it was an insect repellent. So coming into the harbor, you'd smell food and you'd smell this incense and, uh, you know, it, <clears throat> I'm sure it was, it was, it was fragrant. Now the, it's a little bit more malodorous and, uh, not something you want to breathe in too much. Certainly, certainly. And I'm sorry, I, I got you away from the matrix system. Uh, <laughs> it, it certainly is true though that we do live in this sort of prison planet and everything is sort of restricted. Um, nowadays, especially, you could kind of see that, um, freedom of thought is completely gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. Why is it important that we know this other component? You know, it, because to put this into the proper context, most of us are led to believe that we're guilty, that right. we're sinners, and that we're imprisoned here because we're basically a bunch of bad souls. Well, what if it's not that case at all? What if we were just basically children or primitives or whatever you want to call it, not fully developed? And here you go. It's, it's a stupid idea, honestly, like I said, but you look at Australia, the Aborigines suffered greatly, but they survived intact, more or less. You know, they're still there. They still have their culture. Um, they're one of the few tribal people that hasn't completely collapsed, despite all the pressure from the so-called uh, civilized world, Western world, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that it, it is applicable to our situation here in the general scheme of things that these these particular extraterrestrial or extra dimensional entities were imprisoned here and ultimately we all suffered because of it and they have nothing else to do except beat each other up and dominate us that would make uh, plenty of sense <laughs> in my opinion and to further add on you you did mention the soul so you believe mm-hmm. in the soul and if so where would you say it's located at robert yeah that's a good question uh, there's no way we can definitively prove that. It's just a feeling. It's based on experience of, you know, out-of-body experiences, uh, not just myself, but others. And obviously, you know, a lot of people around the world over, over time have had these experiences and, um, it's non-physical. So it's obviously not in the third dimension, which makes it really difficult for scientists to deal with. But then again, there's a lot of things that scientists have deal, you know, difficulties dealing with because it is beyond this physical realm and yet it's connected to it. So that there's, we have to approach this differently. And it's one of the reasons I've been expanding, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been expanding my Unicus library of higher learning. And it's not just the volume of books. It's the quality of some of that information that's in there. It, it is designed to, um, help people that are looking for answers about these questions. What, you know, what is the soul? Where is it? Where does it go Why after here? you disconnect here? Right. Stuff like that. Yeah, and that, that's all interesting. And to tag on to that, where I personally believe the soul might be is, yeah. I think, somewhere near around the pineal gland. Oh, you mean the connection to, to the physical body? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's I, a different question. I, I, but well, yeah, I think right. the soul is sort of in, in that. I'm not saying your third eye is, is where the soul is. I'm saying the soul is in that area, not directly there. Okay, well, some people say that the silver cord that we see when we're out of body is actually connected to the solar plexus uh, from the soul. Now, I don't know. Um, there yeah, the are monks, those who say... Yeah, the, the, the monks talk about that, that yeah. you have that cord connected to you. Yeah, 
Yeah, but as far as how to re- reach out and connect on a soul level with everything outside the matrix, uh, that would be through the heart chakra. And so this is what they mean by going within. It, it's, it's like opening the door of your heart uh, to that, the other dimensions. Yeah. And, and it, it's mm-hmm. really not a thought process. It's more of an emotional thing where you allow yourself to really open up on that level energetically and, and feel because it isn't about intellectual thought process. It's about, um, I mean, tele- telepathy is, is quite misunderstood, I believe, still by most people who actually accept it as a reality. Um, they think it's just going to be like words in your head, but it's, it's not. It's, and it's in a full body, a very visceral experience where you're seeing things, feeling things, hearing things, everything. Just, it's not a physical, it, it has an impact on our physical being, but it's coming from a non-physical place. And right. it's a very, very good form of communication. Yeah. And it, it does get me thinking, what if consciousness is both inside and outside of the brain? Oh, of course it is, because it is physical. Right. Well, yeah, of course, Mm -hmm. it affects the physical. Look, everything physical starts as non-physical. So here's, as I said, I'm going to repeat myself. Sorry. Consciousness, energy, and matter are are all the same thing as far as being wave forms. Consciousness being the highest frequency. Energy is just slightly below that. Matter the various realms of matter is is below that as far as the frequency, the, the, the vibratory rate is lower. So it goes from the highest of consciousness down to lower. But there's actually something above all that, and that would be what we t- loosely are calling the spirit or the soul. Uh, so, of course, it's non-physical. It's generating waves of consciousness, energy, and matter. The, the thing is that a, a young soul really doesn't have control over those waves and, and how it manifests energy and, and, and whatnot. Um, so it's something that we learn. We acquire that skill over time of being more godly and creative as a creator. Uh, but that it does take time. It does take time. Yes. And I do think that's one of the reasons that the higher realms actually permitted what seems like a crazy idea here. Uh, I think they, they permitted it because they knew that some of us would actually grow in ways that would, well, it's a unique opportunity, let's put it that way. <laughs> I agree. And, and, <laughs> and Robert, um, the soul in, in the human being, what animates the body, um, mm. is this what makes us special compared to our extraterrestrial brothers in the sky? Is well, that I mean, why they're so interested in us? It, it could be. I think actually it's just the, their interest is because we're all related. And always have been, always will be. There's yes. just this big, it's one of the biggest lies on the, in this world is that we're somehow disconnected from we, them. We are ETs. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's more than that. We're extra dimensional. Anybody that has a soul came, came from, comes from the same source. Uh, there isn't like, um, a blue team and a red team. It's all, you know, well, we're all one. Yeah. That's, we're all connected to the same Correct. family tree. And so, but there's this schism that occurred. For whatever reason, okay? And so coming here, part of the, the dark overlords, what they do is they, they try their best to convince us that we're somehow disconnected or separate or wrong uh, or dark like they are and that we need to suffer because we're bad. So therefore we're going to need to be punished. And, you know, it, it, and it's, it's just like a hamster in a wheel. It keeps going on and on and on. So some people call it karma. I don't think that's exactly accurate, but the bottom line is so we're here. In this situation, but beyond the borders here is just phenomenal. The, not just the, the amount of life, the diversity of life, 
But the connectivity of everything, <laughs> unlike here, the connectivity is, is, uh, available. I mean, it's, it's unimpeded. There isn't any firewalls or censorship or stuff like that. So, um, imagine, okay, we, now we can see we're plugged into each, we're talking halfway around the world or whatever. And that seems miraculous, but what about halfway across the universe? Once we tap into that on a soul level, that what I call, it was shown to me, it's actually, let me give you, um, hope you, hope you can see this on your end here. This is what the web of light loosely looks like. Uh, that's the way it was shown to me. Actually, I got a, a much better view of it when they showed me this telepathically. Um, so in the web of light, everything is connected on a conscious or soul level. Now, where did our souls come from? Hold on. Yeah, that's a great photo, by the way. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's not a real photo. It's like everything else. It's uh, some sort of animation. But in any case, so, okay, so here's the other thing. We are seeds of light. Oops, that's a tree of light. All right, so so there you go. You see, the web of light is the cosmos of creation. So, and it's a it's a co-creation, by the way. Even though, let's just say, this universe was created by an individual entity, a god or goddess. That that goddess is part of a larger family. She didn't just appear out of nowhere. So you could say she is like the mature tree, uh, and that tree came from a seed. The family, she, she, it came from a particular tree and grew to the point of maturity where she could then manifest her own universe and us in the process. And we will, we will repeat that pattern and that process on and on and on it goes infinitely. So what I'm showing you here, and, and of course now everybody can't see it. I don't know. Maybe what you want to do with these images, but I've just showing you, Michael. Yeah, Yeah. I'll put them up on our end here and on the website. Okay. All right, so web of light is what the the true fabric of creation looks like, and it, it, those filaments are real. Everything is connected to everything else. The scientists call it entanglement. Um, so, and then, like I said, the tree of life that we talk about in the Bible that's supposedly forbidden to us is really it's more an explanation of who we are, what we are designed around. The patterning of our soul self is is much like a tree. As I said before, that's the perfect analogy because it's an organic process. It was started, who knows when it started it, but that that was the particular format that seemed to work well for life. So the tree of life is something that we come from, that we embody through our, not just physically, but also in the soul because we are seeds of light from a tree of light in the web of light. And I'm sorry if that sounds redundant, but that's what that, that was, that is part of my deep training. That's how I was trained to, to see this. No, and I believe you're right. And furthermore, I was curious how you viewed life after death and if you believe in that sort of thing. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. And it actually came up again recently. Um, so for people that want to read more about this, uh, you can go to chapter 43 of uh, Yogananda's autobiography of a yogi where he's having a conversation with his guru who is passed physically but comes back in an astral body it's it's like a scene out of star wars where obi-wan comes back to luke and you know starts talking to him except he's in this particular instance and this is way before the movie ever came out right right and it's funny you brought that up but go ahead no no why what's going on oh well because you reminded me of an individual who had passed away named bob mitchell he had wrote a book if I remember correctly, about the astral world and how ETs can, that's how they perhaps abduct you 
And <laughs> that's right. And um, well, how do you think he got that idea in his head? Well, because he he saw it. But I never oh. I never got any credit anywhere for it. And well, we're we're basically encouraging each other to continue on. That you know, even though it looks like things are getting darker, it's just because we're we're right on the precipice of the dawn of a new age. And I don't mean the earth is going to be some magically healed place. If, if in fact it, it has been designated as a prison planet, um, those people, the souls here that really it's time for them to leave. Uh, I know it's called ascension. I don't really like that term, but, um, I see it more as a, um, a rescue operation, you know, where, uh, what do they call it? Refugees. Oh, right. Yes. Spiritual refugees that it's time for us. Some of us that are ready, uh, and are asking for this. Um, uh, we just don't belong here. It's it's we really don't belong here. And um, uh, so, yeah, we're going to be I think we're going to be given an opportunity to move off to another place. That would be lovely if we could. Well, I mean, it's anything's possible, especially when we're talking about the benevolent beings. And it's not like they're going to advertise this, Michael. That's well, that's true. Yes. Um, they just know who's ready and who isn't. Right. And going back to. The photographs you took, um, you, you believe these are perhaps Anunnaki that I don't know. have visited. I, you they don't didn't know? tell me. They didn't tell no, you. no, but it was weird. Okay, so the thing about it is, hang on, because it was, there's been this gradual unfolding, um, that led up to that of, um, the, okay, just people call this disclosure. I don't like that term either, but, uh, that's just me. Yeah, that's been so, making the rounds. <laughs> as you know. Yeah, because it's, it's very, it's very deceptive. There's no such thing as official disclosure because the, the, the officialdom, uh, the people, the elite of this world are basically extension of, they're just errand boys for these evil extraterrestrials that are imprisoned here, the fallen ones. So here's, here's what's happening. I have been, um, you said a contactee experience or whatever. I didn't know exactly who it was. Now I realized it's actually both, uh, the good guys and the bad guys or whatever, however you want to call it, benevolent, malevolent. Both sides have been in, interested in me. I would say the benevolent ones have done a lot for me, but that got the attention of the malevolent ones because they they consider that a threat. They consider me a threat. Fortunately, they haven't done anything to me. Not really terrible. I mean, it's no, it wasn't pleasant, but it, uh, for whatever reason, that they just weren't able to push me completely off the stage. Yeah, that's strange. Why do we, why would they consider you a threat, though, Robert? That's what I want <laughs> because, to know. Because because of because you look at my website, you listen to my shows. I mean. Look at my books. It's who I am. It's what I embody as a so-called human. Uh, I'm, I am, um, a repository of, uh, teachings that were passed on to me that were given to me by my spiritual father, uh, who I, I, you know, this is really weird. Okay. I know I realize what I'm telling you now is going to sound completely out there. And I know we've talked about some weird stuff. That's okay though. That's what makes everything a lot more entertaining and actually yeah. real. Yeah, it's, it's right. I, I strive to be, a, look, I don't have some hidden agenda, right? right? It's just me. I'm being, I'm being myself. But here's what happened. I told you I had that weird out of body experience in yeah. Malibu in September mm-hmm. of, right? 1985. Amazing. Yes. And this being said he was my father. Well, he re- and he really did say that. And I wasn't sure if he said, I am the father. I'm, I'm your father. It didn't make any sense to me until just last month. Now that's almost 33 years later. Why would it take that long? Well, it's because. He is a benevolent being and he's, he is here working covertly because, and he has to remain that way more or less because 
the evil ones basically are running the show to some extent. They don't have, they're not omnipotent. They don't have a hundred percent control, but you look at it this way. If you're in a prison system, you know, the worst criminals have quite a bit of influence, right? Even over the certain guards that they've paid off or whatever. Or Certainly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the same situation here. You have to be very strategic about certain things. Uh, if you're, if you're one of the good guys and you're, you're here to help, you have, you, 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 of course you're going to be considered a threat to the, by the bad guys. So as he was teaching me throughout this entire life, my spiritual father, I didn't know who he was until just recently. And here's what happened. I got a, I got an email from someone in India, uh, a guru, a female named Saima. I never heard of her, but I mean, I'm familiar with all the Eastern religions and that's what my dad had, had studied under Yogananda for many years. So, uh, and I'm not a religious person, okay, but I'm aware of all that. I've studied religion, philosophy, politics, but I don't, I really don't, I'm not caught up in it. I'm just aware of it. So, <laughs> she, this, this person contacts me. We get, we get on a call like this. I'm talking to her. I said something. She said, I said, Oh, you know, Babaji. And she said, No, no, I know Babaji. I said, What? She says, Yes, we were speaking just a few days ago. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I, I was stunned. I'm still stunned by the, she, anybody would say that to me. Babaji, is that what, is that Babaji, yes, Babaji. I know. Okay. Yes. You, if you want to know more who this guy is, just go to the library at unicusmagazine.com. It's free. You go in there and it's all, I broke it down. I mean, this is weird. When stuff like this happens, it's literally, it's like an avalanche, avalanche of information will come to me and I immediately put it out there to the public because I know it's not just for me. Because we're all in this together as a family. And so, but, but for me personally, this has been, God, you talk about, uh, an enigma wrapped in a riddle. I, I, I wanted to know who this character was, this father guy. Right. Who's his father, right? I, and for some, uh, okay, about four years ago, I thought it was Enki. Now I know it's actually Enki's third son. And he is known to some people in India as Babaji. To the rest of us in Western culture, we would know him as Toth. We would know him as Hermes, Mercury, Ningishzada, I believe it's pronounced, Quetzalcoatl, Viracocha. He's got a lot of names. He's been around for a long time. He is one of the benevolent Anunnaki. Unlike his brother, his his older brother, Marduk, and his dad, Enki, I believe uh, uh, Babaji, as we, I've always known him as that. But I've also, I've also known about Toth. I've always admired him because I'm a bibliophile. I've always been fascinated by books. Uh, I still read multiple books every day. I'm reading not – so what I do is I jump around. I don't read it from cover to cover. I just jump in around. Sometimes I do, but generally speaking, I read every day, multiple authors, sources, whatever. So when I heard about – when I learned about Toth growing up, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. This guy was the, the scribe of the gods, he, and he created this massive library, and I always wonder where is it. Uh, sorry if I'm getting off topic here, but no, the bottom okay. line is this this guy – is my spiritual father. Now, what the heck does that mean? I didn't even know such a thing existed. But if you're familiar with Hermes, also known as Toth, uh, he created something called the Hermetic Teachings or Hermeticism. That's right. All right. So there's a book in my library called The Stellar Man. Written uh, uh, pseudonym is John Baines is the author. It's not his real name. He talks in there, and this is so typical how things work. He talks about how uh, an initiate uh, into Hermeticism can only break into the higher levels with the assistance of a spiritual father. Well, now, I had just told my wife a couple hours earlier, 
I, th- I told her, I said, I swear, I, I think Babaji is my spiritual father. I hadn't read this yet. I hadn't read that passage in the thing. And I'm sitting there on the, I'm just, we're sitting there, whatever. She's doing something. I'm doing something. Else. I go, oh my God. I said, honey, you're not going to believe this. And I, I told her, I go, okay, I give up. This is pretty obvious now. This this whole thing was a setup. So let's go back a bit. I get this call. I'm on the phone with this lady, this Indian guru. She's telling me that her her, some of her students had been asking her if she knew about me. Now, that was weird. Yeah. I thought, what, what? Now, not only is she teaching yoga and Eastern religion, she talks about the Anunnaki and the Illuminati. Yeah, now that's kind of strange. Yes. <laughs> that's completely unheard of in my realm. I've never heard of a guru doing that before, but okay, whatever. We're in, this is 21st century stuff. Fine. I get it. But the way she was, when she was talking to me and I said, this thing about Babaji came up. And as she was telling me, she knows him. I flashed back to this particular segment of, of autobiography of a yogi by Yogananda, who's, who is closer to my father and my grandfather. I'm flashing back to that particular scene that he writes about where Babaji and his sister are these ascended, but like extra dimensional beings. And I said to her, Saima, I said, when she said she knows him, and I said, oh, well, send him my, next time you speak to him, please tell him I send my love. That's exactly how I said it. And which seemed oh, kind wow. of strange too. The whole thing didn't really, the whole conversation was really strange. And then, but I said to her, cause I was literally seeing this in my mind. So I, I said, Oh, and he has a sister. She says, yes, I know. And her, and, and um, she said, her name is something. Okay. And it wasn't what most people, so you have Babaji. It just means benevolent father, literally. Okay. <laughs> it's, yes. Hello. That's so obvious. I'm your father. My name is benevolent father. It's like, wait, what? Uh, Babaji. All right. Baba is in Asia. That's really well known. Everybody knows that means father, like dada, daddy, you know, yeah. so Mataji, it means the, the benevolent mother. That's his sister, half sister wife. And as I told her, as I'm telling Saimada, she said, Oh yes, I know. And her name is so and so. And she says, and that is my name also. And I went, what? Oh, excuse me. You know, it, it, and, and she proceeds to tell me she is from Venus. She, Saima, is from Venus. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, I said, all right, look, I'm about to do a show here. Would you like to come on and talk? To, you know, just, can we just do like a very impromptu little, her, she agreed. I've never done that before, but she said, the bottom line is this. Here's what was the message she wanted to give was that everybody here has a dark side and that we need to embrace it and transmute it with love. That's a good message though. It's a, it's profound because right now what's happening, everybody's trying to play, not everybody. Most people here, humans, are per- playing the victim. They have a victim mentality and they're pointing fingers at everybody else and all that does is perpetuate the, yeah. the problem. Yeah, see, this is where I go in and tell lots of people out there who listen to my show that that's kind of the, the stem of all sorts of issues with, with society today here in America is that anger. So many people have anger in their hearts and they, they don't know how to let go of it. And right. you'll, you'll never be happy in life unless you let go never. of that anger. Right. And or you'll never be healthy either because it's eating you up inside emotionally. The energy is this disson, dissonant energy. It's and, not resonant. And Robert, do love you, energy. Yeah, Robert, are we? Yeah. Robert, yeah. do you, do you still have anger? Uh, not like I used to. No, not at all. So I've, you, I've worked on that really yeah. hard. It's very difficult to let go of, right? Oh God, yeah, but, Not but look, a big a, a big part of it is uh, forgiveness of others and yourself, which sounds simple when I tell you when I say it like that. It sounds oh sure, no, I mean you really have to feel it 
You really have to feel it. And the hardest thing for me was forgiving my parents and myself for some of the crazy stuff that went on when we were younger, uh, growing up together in Malibu. Uh, so I, I, what I, ra- I reasoned was at some point when, uh, what was it? It was the year of the tidal wave in uh, <clears throat> 2004, I believe it was. Anyway, I was having a, a panic attacks that was haunting me from some of the trauma I'd experienced. So I decided um, the only way to deal with it was to forgive my parents and myself, and which I did. Right and, on. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Well, yeah, but it made a huge difference. Look, I'd, I'd gone to therapy. I'd seen a psychiatrist for drugs. Yuck. And, and then... um. <laughs> Which just makes you numb emotionally and otherwise. It just numbs you out. It really does. It really does. Uh, I'm so and, glad and, you were able to do that, though. Well, me too. Be, oh, and then the, I was seeing a psychologist. So I was one guy. The psychiatrist gave me the drugs. The psychologist was there to just listen to me, like you know. But it didn't really. It was never got even close to solving the problem. So and I and I was and I was. It's actually felt it was getting worse. These panic attacks are getting worse. And I at some point. I felt like that I was going to die young and I would leave my wife and son uh, to fend for themselves, which was not part of my uh, promise I made to them. You know, I'd be basically breaking my promise. So that's when I that I know it's kind of a strange motivation. But in any case, that was what I was thinking, that the, the therapy and the drugs is obviously not working. I have to do something else. And that's when I came to that realization. Oh, it's it's in my hands. I can fix this. Uh, and, and, you know, it. Look, it, it didn't solve everything, but it was a huge step in the right direction. Oh, yeah, it's progress. And that's what I tell lots of people out there, that you have to forgive the father or the mother, in which case, well, or whatever both. case, yeah, or both. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's very, very true. I know it's sort of along the line of the whole Christian philosophy, but to me it's kind of common sense, even though I myself yeah. am an agnostic atheist. I still believe that's one thing everyone should do. It's universal. Everyone should forgive your mother and father. Um, your father is still, I guess, if you're a Christian, he, he's still a son of God, rather. And your mother, you, you still have to forgive her because she still has anger in her heart for her mother. And, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, well, both of them, I, I knew that both of my parents had come from less than perfect circumstances. They were still scarred emotionally because they didn't get, they didn't move past it. So they carried right. that forward. Exactly. And they imprinted it on me. But okay, so how do you break the chain? And, and that was the first step. That was the, you know, it was hard first huge yeah. step. But, and now why am I telling you this? Because we need to then apply it to the bigger picture. Which is, um, these particular fallen angels, entities, psychopathic, extra dimensional <laughs> beings that are here also would re- really benefit. We would all benefit. I know they're not going to be appreciative of it. Okay. And they're going to still remain in denial, but we need to forgive them can, and ourselves can, can, for can, the right, stuff we've done ahead. here together. Can, can we forgive the Scientologists out there? Yeah, of course. You can forgive anybody for anything. It doesn't mean that you condone their behavior, though. There's a difference. So just to be clear here, um, it, you're, it doesn't mean you, and it certainly doesn't mean you're encouraging them to continue that. It's it's it's, it's letting go of a, of a particular energy pattern, a dissonant energy pattern from the past, so that you can move forward and embrace a resonant resonant. <laughs> that's a weird word. A, a harmonious energy patterns going forward, which are healthy. Right. Okay. So, so the thing about my family, um, the spiritual family, it was like this. I get this, I have this weird call 
from and it was more than a phone call. It was really I was I was getting telepathic messages and in in the <clears throat> that's how I know I'm really having a deep conversation with somebody. That's good. I start to literally see stuff in my mind's eye and and feeling things in my heart. Yeah. And, um, I don't know this person, but she was acting like she we were old friends and okay I'm fine with that. But it was it left me a little bit baffled and and so after that I'm I, I even told her I said oh. At one point before we came on the air, I said, oh, I see now. Babaji wanted us to speak, and she got offended. She says, well, why do you say that? She mm. says, you know, we could have decided to do this on our own. I said, yeah, we could have, but I just knew, I could feel it, that this was prearranged because I know I know enough about him that that's, it's like a Jedi mind trick, okay, but it was done for benevolent purposes. It's not like we're his puppets. He just made a suggestion. He made the suggestion, and here's how it goes. He just, one of her students, he whispered in her ear, ask her about Robert Stanley. Like that. It's so simple. Into, he could just whisper that into her, into the mind of, of one of the, one of her, the audience. And so she went on your show and what else happened, Robert? That was it, basically. I'm just, you know, we didn't talk very long. You didn't talk she, very long? That she gave, no, but she gave that, she gave this, it was very impromptu, okay, Michael? It was, I wasn't planning. Well, you're, yeah, but of that, the bottom line was she gave a very, cause I'd asked her about the futures and she said, we all have a dark side. We need to embrace it. And that's actually the tagline for my show, exposing the dark side. And so, so when she said this, I, she, and she hadn't even listened to my show. It's like, um, <laughs> but the, but there was this really deep family connection that I felt on every level, spiritual and physical. That's emotional. the universe. I know. Bring you so I, Bring afterwards, you I'm walking around and I'm going, what just happened here? This is really weird. What, why is Babaji coming into my life? I kind of knew it was happening over a course of months before that. I kept like being exposed to uh, uh, books and teachings that I'd, I'd read when I was younger growing up about Eastern philosophy, specifically India, uh, the Hindu practices of yoga. Uh, those processes, not so much worshiping gods, but actually connecting. That's what yoga means is to unify or no, no, unite to reconnect on a spiritual level. Anyway, anyway. So now I'm wondering who is this Babaji character? Because he's always been a mystery, especially through, uh, Yogananda. He, He talks about him, but he never, there's no like point of origin. He's just there. He's a benevolent mystery. Uh, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking the next morning I sat down at the computer, I typed in, <laughs> I Google, how do you Google and, uh, Babaji? I put in Anki and Babaji and bam, I got this book from a guy I've never heard about. Now here's another guy. He is an ascetic. He is a monk or a reverend in Eastern religion, specifically in yoga. He's, 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 he's a full blown yoga master who is writing about the Anunnaki. More specifically, he wrote an entire book about Babaji being an Anunnaki extraterrestrial slash angel. I looked at that, my mouth fell open. I'm like, what the, where did that come from? Well, you asked, Robert. I mean, hey, come on, you you asked for it. There's your answer. You said, who's Babaji? There's the, and so now I'm looking at this book and I'm thinking about this guy. His name is, uh, he, he's got a strange name that he cr- created for his spiritual name. We'll call him Reverend Wise Man. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Whatever. So, <laughs> so we have become friends after that. But I mean, I read the book and I'm like, just, and had to reach out to him because now I'm thinking, 
and apparently he he wrote this book back in 2013, but it got no traction because, well, for whatever reason, it wasn't time yet. As soon as I saw the book and I read it, I contacted him and he's like, yeah, I mean, it's been sitting. I says, that's not even the final thing. I just put it on my website for free. And he says, it's, it's you know, it needs to be finished. And I said, well, I'm, you know, and I explained to him how I, I found him. And he's like, oh, he, he, so we had a, a like three hour conversation at the end. He was literally bowing to my feet. I was like, hey, look, you're making me laugh. I mean, this is, this is, I I get it. There's something going on here, but it seems so like just over the top. Um, so that, that was just, I'm just priming you for what, what came next. All right. I'm thinking this is bizarre. I can accept these things, but what is the, what is it all for? Why is now Babaji coming out, uh, publicly and wants us to know who he really is? So, um, um, I, I'd read the book and I was, I was thinking about these things and um, I, I hadn't come to this this particular realization. I wasn't really sure. But um, so it was July, like end of July 20th, I guess it was. Yeah. I go into the, this particular hotel right below where I live here. I go in, and I'm there for actually I was booking a room so I could I could use the, the landline there to make uh, to do another interview with Coast to Coast. So I'm thinking about, you know, what am I going to say to the world? I'm going to sit here in this beautiful hotel on a waterfront. I wander off. I'm waiting for whatever. I wander off into this corner area. And here's here's a sign that says food for the soul, food for the stomach. One points one way, one points the other. <laughs> and subtitle purpose and practice. OK, I'm looking at this. I'm thinking that's weird. But it makes sense because why am I here? You know, I mean, literally. Why? And then so the next sign says, why am I here? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> No, that's what I was exactly what I was thinking. What? How did I end up over here? It says, it says, well, hopefully for purpose and practice, go this way. So, <laughs> and then there's a little sign on there, a little uh, thing says, uh, yoga does not change the way we see things; it transforms the person who sees. <laughs> okay, so and anyway, it says find your purpose in here, and it turns out it was a yoga company that was having they sell yoga apparel. But I talked to a few of the people there, and they said, well, it's not, you know, it's not open to the public, but whatever. We talked about spiritual fitness and, you know, connecting with the higher self and whatnot. That was it. That was the afternoon that that afternoon that evening. I saw it was an exceptionally clear night. It's usually very hazy here in Hong Kong because uh, we're on the South China Sea. And it's just, yeah. you know, that, that's so, another thing, Robert. I'm fascinated but, that you are in Hong Kong and how they yeah. perceive UFOs out there. Uh, I just met a guy recently, uh, Chuck Fay. He's, he does a UFO show here in Cantonese. And, uh, so we're going to get together next week and, and talk. Um, yeah, they're not, look, most people here are very materialistic. Uh, it's a very ruthless cutthroat place. It's like, think New York City, but the Asian version with a little bit of British thrown in on top. There's people from all over the world here, but it's, it's a very materialistic world, uh, bubble here. Um, so the bottom line is this, the, I, I, that particular evening, I went out onto the balcony. It was exceptionally clear, and Mars was incredibly bright and close. So I put together my camera equipment, which is a Nikon D500. I put a 500-millimeter lens on it, on a tripod, and I was taking, I was trying to get shots of it just to see what it would look like. And I, cut, I took over 100 shots. You only see six of them there in that thing because I just haven't had time to really go through it yet. But I could tell even just briefly when I was taking the pictures that, uh, when, you know, you kind of like, uh, you look in the view screen. I didn't see it with my naked eye, but I, when I, the camera is more sensitive to certain levels of light than our eyes. 
So I thought maybe though I figured at first that those must be stars that I can't really see that are, you know, out there. But when I actually lined it up and I looked at it, I animated it, you know, frame by frame, I was like, what the heck? That how many, how many ships were out there over Hong Kong that night? Uh, and I think they were doing it because they figured, well, there's a lot of people that are looking up tonight at Mars. So, but the, I, I didn't see them. See, that's the other thing. If there were so many of them, somebody asked me, it's like, oh, those must have been drones, Robert. And I said, no way, because if there was that many drones, first of all, drones are really small, but they make a lot of noise. And they, if they have lights on them you, and they're moving around like that, you'd be able to see them like almost like fireflies. But I didn't see anything like that. Right. All I saw, all I saw was Mars. Well, maybe a jet passing by, but, um, so that was, for me, that was just further confirmation. As you, as you said, if you look at the homepage at unicusmagazine.com, you scroll down, it's obvious I've taken pictures more than once. Yeah. You have a lot of photos but, out there, but that's just a fraction of, of the, of, uh, close encounters that I've had in my life with these entities, whoever they may be. Yes. Lots of people out there see all sorts of strange things in the sky, and they never know for sure if it's one of ours or from another unearthly origin. It's it's well, quite amazing. The, yeah, and I'm sure it's all of the above. But the question, the bigger question for me has always been, why are they following me around? Uh, I don't think the government really – well, the government did start caring about me when I when I published those photographs of the UFOs landing in Washington, D.C. That was – the all hell broke loose that uh, summer of 2005 when I did that, and I got visited by a black helicopter. You got visited uh, by a black helicopter? Yeah. That, that so if you go good. into my website at, yeah, go unicusmagazine.com, click on books, then you scroll down, it'll say um, free DC UFO photos that are associated with the book. Uh-huh. I didn't publish them in the book. I published them on my website. So you click on that. I don't, I don't know if it's page one or two. In any case, you just click on that. Scroll through it. You'll see the you'll see the p- pictures I took of this thing before it left. But it literally came right to my house. It was hovering, doing weird maneuvers, oh, hovering over it. the house. Yeah, the unmarked military hel- uh, helicopter. Uh, helicopter. Sorry. Yeah, and then they came <laughs> right. back again with a much larger two of the double prop ones. They came back like uh, about a year and a half later um, when I was doing because I continued my research and obviously it was pissing somebody off. So anyway, anyway, I'm not trying to cause a problem it's just that somebody sees it as a threat and i think i know who it is oh no these entities you know are just they're just here they're stuck here they're evil they don't want us to wake up or worse yet they don't want us to leave because then they're going to be stuck here just beating each other up um they they actually you know uh again like in a prison system you have a pecking order so even though you're in prison at least you still have some authority and power and influence and i agree with you on that one it definitely is something very much like that. And by the way, Robert, are, are you working yeah. on another book? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, about Malibu, and uh, I'm, I think working title at this point is Mysterious Malibu, and it is about some of these, actually all of these crazy mysteries that happened to me and other people. Um, and uh, it's pretty weird. I, you know, I, looking back on it, I should say some of the stuff that happened to me is is astonishing. And it didn't make a lot of sense uh, until, like I said, until just recently. It's not just about, although, okay, look, when I realized that Babaji was my spiritual father and what that really means, that he was teaching me. In fact, where I met him that night when I was uh, 1985, I was 25 years old. That's where I used to go when I was a child. Some years earlier, I would go there in what I consider to be lucid dreams. I would go to that location. 
uh, and I, I called it my night school and I would take training there, but I didn't know what kind of training it was or why. So at this point, I would tell you that, that I've been trained in hermeticism. Um, it more specifically in a way that you don't, most people don't understand. It's the Jedi arts, but not from Hollywood. It's not about carrying a lightsaber and chopping people to pieces. It's about working in a hyper dimensional space. And so all of the teachings uh, that I received were just preparatory. Ultimately, um, what I experienced with that boy and those parasites was of, uh, that was a very high level initiation for me. I, I could have not been there. But it was, again, I believe it was orchestrated so that I would be there at that particular moment. And uh, they were watching to see how I would react. Yeah, you know what? Let, let's go back in time to that experience just sure. just for a bit here, because I know lots of people <laughs> have, well, they have not heard of that before. Well, some have, but not many. A lot of people have now. Yeah, that's true. But there but are those okay. new ones. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's just it particularly the equinox is a very important time. The cycles of the bigger, grander cycles of the solar system as it proceeds through the galaxy or the galaxy is in motion, whatever. But the energy shifts as we go into these different ages. So it's always punctuated by the, 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 uh, what do you call it? the spring equinox is, is actually the, where the clock ticks over. So you think of it as a clock like noon is the start of a new day or excuse me, midnight is the start of a new day. Same is true for these larger cycles, these ages. Um, and so uh, that would be the spring equinox. The, the autumnal equinox is when I had this particular event happen. And um, uh, I was a security guard working on the beach in Malibu where I grew up. And uh, I was, like I said, I was 25 years old. There was this, this particular boy who was staying at a beach house with his grandparents. They didn't live there. They were just visiting. And uh, he there was something wrong with him. I could see that. I talked to him briefly, just said hello, basically before, you know, a few minutes before he damn near killed himself. Oh, my God. Yes. This story. Yeah. Yeah. So Ooh. I was uh, like I'd gone surfing, put my surfboard away, walking away from the house because that's I knew the owners and I was they they let me keep my stuff there. But uh, when I say security guard, I was actually roaming up and down on all, all train cycle. Um, and I was just there to guard the people's front yard essentially from the public so that they didn't just start camping out in their front yard it's, it was kind of a weird situation you can't put a fence up not like a regular yard you know you, you were talking about the beach but these people claim they own the beach down to the wet sand so that was my job was actually yes. to see people from you can walk through there you could sit on the wet sand if you wanted but you can't just go like hang out in front of the house and because that would be weird <laughs> oh yeah but it, it, some people tried it and i just like hey could you please move on this is private property that's how they dealt with it. Anyway, so this particular boy, that particular day, I, I walked past him and I could, I noticed there was a, a very large scar on his forehead and he seemed, I don't know, he just didn't seem happy even though it was a beautiful day and whatever. So I, I walked past him and, um, didn't really think much of it. And I, I walked, I don't know, maybe hundred feet away to where I had like a little outpost security station set up. When I say that, what am I talking about? I had a table, a chair, a sign. My all-terrain vehicle, there was usually a dog or two local dog hanging out with me. I love dogs. They would hang out with me. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And like I said, I could go surfing briefly. You know, when things were quiet, I could just pop out in and out of the water. And I remember feeling really, really good that day that things were starting to wind down. It was uh, end of uh, school. Kids were starting to go back to school. The weather was absolutely beautiful. 
hardly anybody around. And I specifically remember feeling that I was glad to be alive, which is, seemed like a weird thing to, to actually have that thought. Um, but I was actually, I, was, I felt physically and emotionally, I felt like exceptionally alive and good, glad to be alive. And I was sitting there and, and then suddenly there was this, this horrible sound from behind me and to my right. I cranked my head around and just as, uh, and I saw this, the boy had, he'd gone in the house and he, he was playing there briefly and then he ran across the living room on the second story. He, he ran across as fast as he could and crashed into a sliding glass door that was shut. He didn't see that it was shut. I've done that once. Oh God. Not not too hard, but I did go into it. Oh yeah, it happens. People usually bounce off it. He ran, and you can't understand. I was drinking, by the way. I I wasn't a little boy. I was drinking that day. (laughs) (laughs) So different circumstances. Yes. Well, I'm glad he didn't get hurt. Oh, thank uh, God. But it was really dangerous because it wasn't safety glass. So he broke into you know huge shards of glass, and he broke it with his face. Oh my God. He, He hit he hit this thing in a full run, and even though he was a little boy, um. You know, the force of it was enough to shatter the glass. The, the glass cut his face and his oh. head severely. And this was all happening in a flash of a second or two. And everything, for, from my perspective, seemed to slow down as I was watching this. That the sound, I'll never forget the sound of this. This, it, it, you know, there's a certain sound about glass breaking, but this particular one, the way he struck the middle of the, of the glass pane with his face, it made a very, before it, that shattering sound, there was like this tong sound and then all the glass just breaks, and um, uh, and then I saw a shadow, a dark, shadowy figure come from behind the boy and grab him and pull him away. And the next thing I know, everything's now it's instead of slow motion, it's speeding up, and I find myself running, sprinting as fast as I could to the house. And uh, uh, I didn't even knock on the door; I just opened the door. Like I said, I knew the the owner, but I knew he wasn't there either. But I opened the door and I yelled, "Security! Security!" Nobody's answering, but I, I, I'm just sprinting up the stairs and, um, uh, it was just the grandmother. There was a trail of blood through, through the hallway, but I, the grandmother was standing there just like, why is a sheet like a statue? And I'm, I'm yelling, has anybody called 911 or, or no, the paramedics? That's what I said. Has anybody called the paramedics? No answer from anybody. So I just grabbed the phone and I, and I, I don't know if it was, zero or whatever I dialed. Okay. I got somebody on the phone. I said, we have a life threatening uh, emergency. We need paramedics at this address right now. And, and, and that was it. But that's how quickly I reacted to the whole thing. And it actually made the difference between this boy bleeding to death. Cause when you, when you bleed from your head, it's really very profuse and hard to stop. Um, and so, uh, what had happened was the, the, the grandfather was the one that snatched him up. And took him into the back room and had him lay down on a bed and he was holding a towel over his head, but I don't think that would have been sufficient at all. Um, so, so the paramedics got there relatively fast and they, they took him out. In the meantime, I was still, now I'm in the house and with the grandmother just standing there and, uh, it, well, this was not my job at all, but I decided I would help clean up some of the glass because it was, it was a hazard. So I, I, I found some, you know, items, uh, trash can and some whatnot. And I, I started putting some of the glass, bloody glass in the, oh, in the trash God. area. And, and, um, that's just my nature. Anyway, so I said to the, somehow I started talking to the grandmother and she says to me, I'm glad the door was shut. I was like, why? <laughs> what? Oh no. She, 
That's I know. I was like, wait, that, that made no sense at all. Was, you know, uh, she said, if, if it wasn't, I think he would have jumped over the railing. She said, what? It, I said, well, what, what happened? She said, well, he was playing on, he was just here and he was sitting on the ground. He just got up and he ran across the room and, and I, I, she says, I think he was going to jump over the railing. Oh my God. I, I said, well, wait a second. I, I noticed he had a scar on his forehead already. How did he get that? And she said, well, last year he was, uh, he was playing in the back of his father's pickup truck. It was parked in the yard. He was playing in the back of the pickup truck with the cat, with a cat. The cat jumped out of the pickup truck. He jumped out head first out of the pickup truck after the cat and landed on the trailer hitch of the truck and, and cracked his skull, his forehead. Oh, no. Not and, good. um, she says to, and I'm, I'm like, I'm listening. And I'm like, God, that's horrible. And, and then she says, I think that he thinks he can fly. And when she said that, I was like, what? Uh, because for some reason I had, uh, like a knowing out in somewhere that there were voices that were whispering into his mind that he could fly. He, the reason he thought he could fly is because, and I know this is completely irrational, all right, but it was, it's like, it was an intuition from God knows where, but it was, it was like, I, I just, it wasn't like, oh, maybe he's having hearing voices. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know anything about schizophrenia or possession or anything like that at the time. Um, but <laughs> it just came to me like, oh, well, this is what's happening. It, it, it wasn't even a question. It's like, and as I had that realization, I saw these dark parasite looking things just manifest in the room. It's just like they just appeared and they were floating, hovering up near the ceiling. And I, my impression was that they were parasites and i and then they gradually faded out it didn't last more than a second or two that i saw them but i don't think they actually manifested i think i was seeing i was having like an altered state of consciousness and i was seeing into their realm the lower astral realm where they're from and uh at that moment uh i thought i was hallucinating but what the problem was they saw me seeing them and then so they were not only pissed that i broke up the feeding frenzy uh, I, I could tell you now these I told the um, right the Gnostics called them archons. Yes. Christians called them demonic or what they called, demons, de- uh, unclean spirits or whatever. There's a there's a lot of different names for these things, but I didn't know what they were at the moment. But I knew I saw something, but I really wanted to believe I was just hallucinating it because there's a lot of trauma in the room. Why not? You know, I'm just having like <laughs> there was no there's nothing logical about it, especially at that time. I was absolutely caught up in the moment. So I'm, I see this, and now I'm looking at the grandmother, and I'm thinking, this is creepy. I want to get out of here. But I waited for the the, the ambulance to show up, and once the ambulance left, I left. And so I, I walk back over to uh, I'm walking over to my I sit at my security station or whatever. I'm sitting on the beach, right now. Now everything's completely different. I had gone from feeling really like peaceful and calm and happy to be alive to now thinking, what the hell just happened? Yeah. You know, this is like a suddenly you know, war zone, and um, uh, I felt horrible. I, I, I mean, I felt something that I'd never felt before. Fortunately, it hasn't happened since. But I thought it was just like from again from the trauma. You know how some people faint when they see blood? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw the the blood and everything, but I wasn't gonna. I didn't faint, but I was feeling something after I left that house. I felt like I was being attacked by something that was draining the life out of me through my solar plexus. And I couldn't explain it, but it, I could feel it. I could feel it. And I was actually getting concerned because it wasn't going away. Uh, like I said, I thought I was maybe just nauseous from the whatever just happened, but it, it persisted. And, um, 
I started getting worried thinking that whatever is going on here, if I don't do something, these things are whatever it is, it's going could kill me. Just literally draw all the life out of me and, and nobody would understand what happened. Yeah, these parasites for sure. These are these lower level entities you speak yeah. of, right? These very dark entities that uh, yeah. drain your energy. They're basically like psychic vampires in a way. Exactly. But they're not just, look, they have to, first they have to induce us to create a traumatic event so that the energy that we're emitting through our DNA is dissonant because that's where they're stuck at. They're in a very, they're, they're, only working from a dissonant energy field. And so they want more of it in order to sustain themselves. And that's why they manipulate us. They manipulated that boy. So he not, not only was he emitting a huge amount of this energy, what Robert Monroe, uh, in his out of body travels called it louche. He claimed that that's what they, he was told by one entity he met in the astral, the lower astral. Right. That psychic yeah, attack. That it was called louche. Mm-hmm. Pardon me? It's an, a so psychic anyway, attack, a they, psychic at- uh, attack there. Yeah. Yeah, but it's more than that. It's more of a harvesting. If you think about it, that this is just much like the same way we might milk a cow, and I'm right. not trying to be. No, I get you. It's much deeper, much more complex. Yeah, but it's, it's it's very similar in the sense that okay, they don't always want to kill us they, because they want to keep us alive to to get more of that energy from us over time. So anyway, the bottom line is this: I was I knew I needed to do something. I went after work. I went over to my neighbor's house and I spoke to him because he had been like a spiritual mentor to me on some level. And he suggested I go up to the mountains that night. It was an equinox. He said, you know, and so I thought, okay, I'll do it. And uh, I went up there, wasn't really prepared to do this, but I ended up spending the entire night there. I uh, rode my motorcycle up into a wilderness area off the main road into a dirt road up on top of a, an isolated mountain peak. And I spent the entire night there myself alone. Um, and it was incredible because the moon, the, the, the sun was gradually setting as the moon was rising and they were equal. At some point, I was literally in between the two bodies, like perfectly balanced, equal. And that doesn't happen at every equinox because I went back there later and it wasn't like that at all. I mean, over the years, I, I just checked, you know, so it was a really auspicious time. And, um, the, uh, the thing was, I was, like I said, I, looking back on it, I know I was being initiated to a higher level. And ultimately what I did was instinctively I sat on the ground and I started practicing something I'd read about in Kriya Yoga. Now, Babaji is the guy that gave us Kriya Yoga through his lineage of his direct disciple, Lahiri Mahasaya. And then the next disciple would be, um, beyond that would be uh, Sri Yukitswar and then Yogananda, who brought it to the United States. So uh, that's um, it's I'm telling you that because it fits into the story. But the bottom line is I was sitting there and I was practicing this. Very, it sounds very simple, but in fact, it's it's a huge uh, it's a kind of an important thing in that we, when we pronounce when we create that resonant sound of om through our body. And it, it was specifically like this. I was pushing the tongue, my tongue against the roof of my mouth as I was saying om. And I was, I was saying it like, you know, open, completely open mouth, starting with open O and ending with my lips pursed. Mm, oh, mm. and I was going through the whole cycle of like, it was almost like a giant heartbeat. But I was, what I was doing is I was creating this, this resonance in me and I could hear the overtones and I was projecting on that. At some point I thought, Oh, uh, this is like a signal I'm broadcasting and uh, frequency. Yes. Yeah, I like them. And I, uh, at that, at some point it was, you know, I mean, actually I was there all night. So 
I could actually see the Milky Way above me passing over. And I thought, this would be like a message in a bottle. I'm just going to put it out there and see what happens. But the message I was putting out was one thing and one thing only, and that was love. Because I felt that whatever had happened to that boy and his grandparents earlier was evil. It just felt horrible. Right. It, it probably was evil if that was your it first was. I didn't, initial yeah. reaction. By definition, it's a parasitic. It's yeah. a, like a, yeah. Evil is a, uh, right, parasitism. Um, so, so I at some point got tired. And again, I wasn't planning this, but I, I, I found a place to lay down, which was the ruins of some building. It was very small, but it was enough where I could lay down at least from my butt up, I could like my legs were kind of dangling off this cement slab, but I w- it was comfortable enough. At least I could catch I th- I, what I figured was because um, nothing really had happened that I could tell. Right. I was just doing this meditative process of sure. saying, oh, is it truly. So, but uh, I was getting tired. So I thought I'd lay down for a while and then resume whatever it was. You know, um, that was just again, it was all intuition. I laid down and I as soon as I started to relax, I had that feeling of falling. You know, falling yeah, asleep, literally like you're falling. And mm-hmm. you, normally you catch yourself and you just kind of snap up. out of it. Yeah. At this point, I didn't. I let it go. I Ooh. just let myself go. And I found myself out of my body. Just wham. It just just was like, bing, and I'm out. But I was still awake. I, I had just laid down. I wasn't <laughs> sleeping. I was still very much awake. Yeah, it's very and, unusual that you were able to just sort of jump right into the astral plane like that. Well, all, but all this, all things considered, not really. It actually makes a lot of sense because that's really the goal is what they call samadhi, where you, you do have, you do leave your body if you're relaxed enough. I mean, meditation is really just to shut off all the distractions so that you can focus on one thing. And, and that one thing, to tune I mean, if you out. say mm-hmm. in, in the context of yoga, that one thing is to unite with God or reunite with God. So I'm, I have, I'm out of my body. I'm in this realm of light. I feel good. I feel like, okay, mission accomplished. Whatever those things were I saw today or whatever is attacking me is not going to be here. They can't follow me here. And I was in that realm for briefly, I don't know. I mean, it just didn't seem like very long time when I noticed some movement off in the distance, which naturally got my attention. Because remember, I'm, I am laying on a cement slab in the wilderness area. There are, there were wild animals up there and I'm totally by myself. Um, so I wasn't sure what was going on, but the, when I saw the movement, my attention was 100% on that, whatever that was. And as I kept looking at it, it got larger and I realized it was the figure of a man until it, he literally was standing in front of me or floating in front of me, whatever. And it looked like Jesus in the sense that what could, I only say that because I'm not saying it was, it just saying it looked like, it looked like Jesus it, be, right. mm-hmm. because he had long hair, a beard and a white robe or some kind of robe. And he would, but the thing was he was glowing brighter than the light that we were in, including his eyes. There was light coming out of his eyes. And I said to myself, who the heck is that? And he said, I'm your father. And I'm like, huh? That made no sense at all. Made no sense to me whatsoever. And he started laughing. And the next thing I know, I was sitting bolt upright. I thought that I just had a really weird vision. I wasn't asleep. I didn't think I'd been asleep. But then, but and I'm I'm sitting there thinking about it, and then I I noticed that the light go when I laid down, the moon was almost directly overhead, maybe a little bit off to the uh, west. west. Right. So it was past a little past midnight. I'm thinking, and but my where I was laying there, my my face was shielded from the moonlight by this cement column, and uh, when I sat up, and I thought maybe like what 
moments or a minute or something had gone by, uh, the light now was completely different. I looked off at the, I turned my head and I looked at, and now the moon was setting on the horizon and I freaked out because that meant the hours had gone by, but it felt like minutes, seconds. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I still don't know. It just, it, it seemed very brief, briefly in the light. Here's this guy, radiant father, and uh, everything else is blank completely to yeah, this day. Insane. It's still a giant blank. That's so crazy, yes. And, and were, yeah. you, were you initially scared, Robert, when this entity had first manifested in front of you there? No. No, no, no I wasn't. I felt I was in a very safe place, but ah, okay. I was confused by mm-hmm. his his appearance. I, 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 well, I didn't know what to expect. Okay? Sure, I, sure. I was, certainly wasn't expecting that. But here's – but actually – I thought, again, remember, I thought that if I put it out there, mm-hmm. this message of love, that someone might receive it like a message in a bottle. Ah, yes. Correct. And I thought, you know, uh, it wasn't like help, help, help. That's That wasn't how I did it. I thought if someone, anyone or anything out there receives this message, that they will respond in kind. If I'm broadcasting a love message, they will respond to it in a loving manner. That was part of my rationale at that moment. Instead of just going, help, 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 you know, because uh, I don't know. That, that That's desperation. You, do, you don't want to do I just don't think – I didn't think that that would be helpful. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. So acting desperate, not a good idea. So I was trying to be as calm as possible and focused, I'm broadcasting this, this, this thing. One thing for as long as I could, love. That's it. That's all I was thinking about was love, love, love as I'm broadcasting this particular frequency. He responds by showing up and saying, I'm your father, and I'm acting like I don't know who he is. And it must have been funny to him because he's known me for sure all now. I understand it. He's been with me throughout this entire life time, probably beyond that. I, I'm, I, I can't really speak to it. But now a lot of the things that, again, as I'm writing my story, things that did make any sense to me or my parents, weird stuff, like how I got out of daycare when I was still a toddler. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, really? Yeah, because this was a secure thing. They, they, it's of course it's childproof. And suddenly my mom gets a call from the administrator saying Robert's gone. What what do you mean he's gone? Well, we looked everywhere. We can't find him. We don't know how he got out. He took an Uber. He's not here. So, (laughs) okay, but here's why. Here's what happened. I'm sure it was my father, spiritual father, in subtly influencing someone to to let me out of there because it was a very bad situation. And shortly afterwards, the place was closed down because word got around it. The neighborhood. That, oh um, no, really? Yeah. Well, she was she was from Nazi Germany. She was a psychologist, very very strict lady, Doctor Frank. She's very very disturbed individual. Now, I don't know what she was doing to the kids, but it was a bad situation, and um, someone intervened in on a subtler level and um, got me out of there. And so my mom. But here's what happened: my mom gets this call. Now she's frantic. She comes driving down from the house. And she's driving down the street. Oh, I bet. I'd be going crazy if you were my child. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still in diapers. I'm a toddler. Okay. But I, she's comes, she's driving down the street towards the, the daycare. And there I am walking up the sidewalk, going the opposite direction. She slams on the brakes, gets out of the car, grabs me, throws me in the car, never brought me back to the daycare center. And, and like I said, word got around. And soon, shortly after that, they, they, you know, everybody pulled their kid out of there and the, and it closed down. And my mom, for the, she said, how did you do that? I don't know. How would I know? I don't have, like, I can do that. I couldn't, kids, toddlers don't do things like that. I know, my anyway, goodness. Anyway, that's just an example. So here's the bottom line is this. Like I said, the guy's been with me for whatever reason, and I, I'm pretty sure it's because I agreed to help him. 
And the reason I would do that is because he needed somebody that was, uh, could interface on his behalf with us. T- these higher teachings could come through me. And that's why I'm so, uh, again, it's, it's, I've always said, it's not about me, it's about us. So the teachings that, these realizations, these, you know, things that come through me are meant to be shared with everybody else who's, who's looking for, uh, guidance or, you know, some answers. And, uh, that's one of the reasons I've been protected all along and, and trained, trained and protected. Yeah, it makes sense. And my now goodness. It does. Yeah, it all makes sense slowly. That's, that's kind of what happens later on in but, life. Uh, the but universe so definitely comes into play and leads you into that right direction. All the... Yeah, but it was so confusing, Michael. Oh, yeah, it that's really part of was, the ride. It really was. And, and, and like I said, a few years ago when I started reading Wes Penray's work, which is also available for free in my library, I thought, I really thought that, that it was Enki. I started believing that it must have been Enki. Yeah, you told me that. Me. Right. But, but now, and I, but I've also always said in these interviews that my mind is open that if I'm presented new information that I am more than willing to change my mind, that this is basically a hypothesis that is subject to change based on new information. Yeah, that's good. You, you should never be married to one concept or idea. Well, also because it felt wrong. It's like, okay, yeah, it could be. I never said for sure. I just said I thought it was because that's where I was being led. Now, I wasn't far off, though. It was it was one of his younger sons. So in a way, it's like, oh, with this whole thing about father and son thing was yeah. it, it, it. You are your father. Well, sort of. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's an element of we carry mm-hmm. that. Yes. It's a it's a very much a, a family affair. And so ultimately, though, um, I, I finally, finally, I, and again, it's because I asked. Part of it was, I, you know, I asked. You asked. Yeah. You invited it, it in. But, but, no, well, he, he's very subtle about the way he does these things, Michael. Okay. Um, he's always been like this, not just me, but everybody. Uh, he, he's been very mysterious and gentle in the way that he guides us in a way that we can handle it, uh, to, at whatever particular moment. So I have been, I told you this has been coming for months, but in fact, it's actually part of, um, my path over a series of decades, which I, from our, Earthly terms, it's like, oh my God, that's like, it feels like forever. But in reality, come on, if you're, if you're an immortal being, an ascended master like this, that's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. Uh, the time scale is just completely different. And so, it, you know, it, I'm just, here's the thing. I'm, I'm relieved that I find, I, at this point, I'm, I feel confident that this, I've got some accurate answers, some authenticity now. To this, and it, it, what else is good is um, I can actually finish my book because you would yes. think it'd be the easiest thing to write about your own life. Oh no, well, not at all. Not necessarily if you've got this gigantic enigma wrapped in a riddle. No, uh, a lot of people heard that story about me in Malibu, but I didn't fully understand it until just like in the last few weeks I got this information I'm relaying to you now. Yes. And so then I realized, wait a second, he has been behind the scenes. And as well as his sister, wife, whatever, Mataji, they have been behind the scenes for a relatively long time. Why are they coming forward now? Uh, it's because there's this thing that's happening. You there can see awakening. the dark side is becoming increasingly desperate right. to control us. So it's important for the benevolent ones to take a step out, out of the shadows, step forward and say, hello, you know, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's not a huge announcement, but it is, I, I think it's kind of a big revelation and, um, the, the people that are ready for this are ecstatic. Yeah. I think the that's response what it is. has been, 
Right. Just incredible. Yes. I, I think that's probably why. I think more more now than any other time in history, people are yes. more awakened. So, those who are, yes, are very, very alert. And so when they're presented with this kind of information about Babaji and his his benevolence, and again, he's not alone, but he's one of the guys that chose to stay behind and work, do the really heavy lifting <laughs> uh, to counterbalance. And I think coordinate also, you know, look at it this way. When the British dropped off the, the, you know, exported, I should say, their, uh, uh, criminal, criminals to Australia, um, they had them in prison camps. Yeah, I guess they were like camps. They didn't just let them run around the country doing whatever they wanted. You know, there has to be some sort of law enforcement. There's gotta be some sort of order. It's not, yes. uh, Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the same is true for us here. I do believe, again, that's why the higher powers permitted this to go on because they knew that they could there was some they could inhibit or prohibit certain behaviors even though it's horrible i know it's horrible a lot of the stuff that's happened here is just really very very dark yes very dark but what do you expect when you you gather a bunch of dark entities fallen dark ones of course it's going to be like that i'm just saying it would have been a lot worse i think the planet wouldn't have survived nothing would be here if if it wasn't for the benevolent ones, uh, you know, uh, creating some sort of restrictions and enforcing that on them. Correct. And Robert, by the way, one of the questions yeah. I got was how do you remove these archons, the, the grays, the dark entities, if there is any? <laughs> yeah. Well, they are here for sure. Um, right. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's one of the, the key questions there is a lot of people have asked me actually is, uh, you know, how do you deal with them? And that's why I wrote a, a particular article. Uh, it's called Antidote for Archons. And, um, I, I'm pretty sure this, again, this is part of my training that I, I didn't, wasn't fully sure where it was coming from, but, uh, being calm, kind, and creative sounds u- u- ultra simple, overly simplistic, but it actually works. And the reason it does is because it creates a resonant, a resonance or a resonant patterning of energy in us and our souls. So, and that's like bug repellent to these, these parasites. They can't feed off of it. They're actually repelled by it. Uh, they don't understand it. They can't, they can't be that. They can't feed on it. So it's like, um, again, being calm in the midst of a crisis. Sounds simple, but it's not. It is not at all. Um, right. You look at the way some people are triggered right now, so-called snowflakes, they, then they can't, they can't calm down. Um, or maybe they don't even want to, but I mean, they could if they wanted to, if they really worked at it. Yeah, but you have it's to work It's because at it, so. the outside influence they have is what's causing that emotional uh, outbreak. That's where it stems from. They see these people, these um, even people on on uh, the, mu- the the news, these anchors, yeah. the ones who yeah. are uh, paid to say these things, the ones who live in gated communities, yet they claim they are outraged. Yeah, well, it's it's designed to prove. Provoke us and also divide us. Yeah, it's, it's, again, that's just how they, the dark side is using that to control us, but also to feed off of us and not just feed off us, but use our creativity because that's another thing. They've lost their ability to create. So that's another reason, think that's another thing, reason they want us to keep us here, uh, because we'll create stuff for them. First example, like nuclear weapons. Oh yeah. Uh, that actually serves them, not us. Nuclear power, nuclear weapons has contaminated the entire planet. And, um, that's, that's to serve their agenda. I'm with you on that one 100%. And uh, what a weird world we live in. What an exciting time it is right now. <laughs> 
2018, almost 2019. Yeah. It's quite amazing how fast time is moving on, especially this year, Robert. Well, since you brought it up, because people have asked me this, and I'll just get to it, is that uh, how much longer is this going to happen? Um, I got some telepathic information that said uh, not much longer. I, just, I asked this in 2013, how is this going to be resolved? And I was shown a few things, specifically that there was waves of energy that's going to wash over the planet and cause people to wake up whether they like it or not. They can, Of course, they have free will. They can go back to sleep and remain in the matrix if they want to, but a lot of us are waking up right now because we're being – uh, given extra energy from external sources. And so everything's being revealed. And again, this is why the dark side's freaking out. Now, what's going to happen though is that it's going to get darker before people absolutely are just so out of their comfort zone. They're going to just say, Hey, wait a minute. I'm not going to participate in this anymore. So where, where are they going to go? And that's, that's when there's going to be I, somebody, somehow they've got to separate us. Some people call it a harvest, ascension, whatever. There's, Spiritual refugees is person. It's my personal preference, but I do see this happening no later than 2022. Yeah, that's around a, that that's time an frame, which is date. really yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, but I wasn't sure. Like I said, when I got the information, it was 2013, and then later I got confirmation that at least the waves of energy for sure I know are hitting us because it's been scientists have actually admitted they don't know where it's coming from, but it's washing over the planet sometimes from two directions at the same time. So, uh, and we can see that everything's being revealed. No matter how much they try and lie to us, it always backfires now. And it's so transparent that, that even average people who are never interested in these things are going, going wait a minute. <laughs> this, this stinks. This is obviously, it, it's all conspiracy. Right. And one other thing I did want to mention was the popularity that these subjects have gotten over the past 10 years now. And I yeah. believe it's because of shows like, uh, ancient aliens. It helps. They they really it did helps. help that those out there who've never really you know really heard of these sort of things. It sort of got them more awakened and uh, more interested in in this subject. I personally think. However, I don't really view that program as uh, completely factual on some things. No, of course A not. A bit fabricated. Anything, everything in the media is is truth and lies. It's designed to confuse us. It's it, another level of control, but, but yeah. it is serving mm-hmm. a purpose. It is giving us some orientation for people who are not really interested. Uh, they, they can, it's presented as, hey, believe it or not, here's something, here's something to consider. Okay. So it's in the back of their minds. And it, the reason that's important is because as things become increasingly revealed, it's going to be, well, it's a shock to say the least. It's a shock to people who are, uh, caught up in the matrix. As the, as the facade falls, it's going to be so shocking. Some of them, the way I saw it, some of them would just simply die of a heart attack because they just, it was so, uh, well, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it, <laughs> there's no place to hide from that. Once that level of realization hits, it, where are you going to go? How, how are you going to deal with it? It's, there's no place you can, I mean, you can, at some point, I do think if they survive it, yes, and they choose like, they they use their free will and say, I, I can't live like I don't want to see this. Stop. I want to go back. I want to go back. Uh, you know, please. Uh, my, I, ignorance is bliss. Make me ignorant again. So th- they'll have that opportunity. That was also explained to me in the in this telepathic transmission. Don't worry about those souls. Eventually, they'll wake up and move on. But for now, and I, I think I told you this before, the analogy is like this. People who've been in prison uh, uh, for basically too long or a majority of their life. When they get out, 
they they feel very uncomfortable that they feel extremely uncomfortable and they will commit a crime just to get back into the prison system. That's true. So so there are people here, there are souls here that are really not ready for this next levels of uh, awareness or truth or transparency or whatever you want to call it. It's just too much for them at this time. So they they're going to go back into the matrix and that, live in denial. That Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, like like that. That's one. Yes, that's one way of thinking of it. In simpler terms, for those that you know can't really rationalize it, that's a good way of putting it out there. <laughs> um, by the way, to furthermore yeah. go back to ancient aliens, have you yeah. been approached by William Henry to be on the program? No, no, no. Would you it's ever okay. be? Yeah, I guess. I look. I, um, I'm not a media whore. Um, right, right. And I, you know, I've had I've had really um, a lot of producers from Hollywood have contacted me over the years. But I really do not seem to click well with them, even though they think that I have something that they can use for their programs. Um, once they actually get to know me, they realize that I'm not going to be easily manipulated. And uh, some part of them actually, I think, uh, is repelled. And it, it's it's I'm starting to understand it now is that it is it's just who I am. Uh, I, they consider they feel threatened by my level of awareness or something it just it just doesn't work because they're not really there to um what do you call it educate people find the truth yeah they're not about that <laughs> yes. not at all there's lots of inconsistencies that they do have um especially with some of the way some things are built uh some things are not as aligned or as cut as perfectly as they uh, relay out there yeah it's quite sad i'm not well, quite, it's i'm not okay. sure why they it, want to lie so much that's what i don't get well, they, they the could, they should, about, right, but they should put over more of, uh, more of the human aspect of how a lot of these things came together instead of just saying, oh, it's all aliens. I mean, they, they gotta give some that. credit to some, to, to the genius of man. Yeah, but see that, that. Very little, but you gotta give some credit. Okay, but that this is part of the program here, the programming is that we are supposed to see ourselves as something less than we, what we really are. Exactly. It, and so they want to reinforce that in Hollywood is just an extension of a place in Italy. Uh, I'll send you the YouTube on it. It's uh, pretty interesting. It's a particular lake and a region in, and, uh, it, it it's very dark. The, there's definitely dark entities there and the same dark entities are in Malibu and they, um, they created Hollywood as a black mirror to show us, uh, a distorted image of ourselves that we would then embrace and emulate. So it's sophistry. It's, it is magic. And, um, um, at some point that is, is, well, it's all going to be revealed, not just me. I mean, there's others like George Maxwell has talked about it a bit, but it's, it's really deeper than most people understand that it isn't about entertainment and it's, it's all about entrainment of our soul patterning, our waves. The consciousness is, is an extension of our soul. So, they are controlling that, manipulating it into this dissonant patterning, and um, uh, I'm sure that's why I don't get along with these people. Oh, I don't really blame you for that. There, are, there's lots of weird elements that do come with that program. It's not just, you know, it has nothing to do with with William. Uh, just, no, no, yeah, the, the people. I like William, look, I, I'd like William Henry stuff. I'm just saying, in general, Hollywood. Yes. Everything about it, no matter what they do, it's always tainted. Uh, because it's that's the motivation is to control us to this the way they convoluted everything. 
Yeah, it's also Prometheus Entertainment too. That's kind of <laughs> you know, but we'll leave. We'll we'll stay quiet on that. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's. I don't really see the thing is I could stop doing this tomorrow if I if they try and pull me off of the internet. Uh, I don't really care because I've already done a lot. I think. I mean, it's, I don't know where's the threshold where you can say I've done enough. I'll just keep doing the best I can as long as I'm here with whatever means I have in front of me. And more power to you. I, I don't see anything wrong with that as long as you keep going forward and, and breaking out the positive message that you have, Robert, and keep uh, speaking the truth no matter how bad it hurts. <laughs> well, sometimes it feels pretty darn good, actually, this this thing. Um, see, a lot of people love Babaji because they've met it. They think they know him through Yogananda's autobiography. But that was just a glimpse. That is... So the new book, this I, what Babaji the Extraterrestrial, you can read it for free on my website. Just click on, uh, you know, front the front page. Scroll down, you'll see the cover. Click on that and download the, a PDF. And again, that's it's still it's almost finished, but it's close enough. You get the information. You'll get you'll, you'll get to know him better. Now I, I've got to caution people. It's very difficult to read. It's more like a college level reference book in some ways. It's it's some of those things are a little bit advanced even for myself. But um, you get the gist of it that this is not just from a guy writing about Babaji. This particular individual, Reverend Wiseman, has, just like myself, has been guided, instructed by Babaji and all the other benevolent beings that, that are associated with him. Because not, not all of them, look, it's a very small minority of Anunnaki or extraterrestrials or whatever you want to call them that are fallen. Very small minority. The problem is because they put a collection of them here. From our perspective, we think, oh, my God, they're everywhere. Well, they are here, you know, just like prisoners. And yeah, there's a lot of prisoners in prison. <laughs> you you know, you walk down the street, everything seems pretty cool. You go to a prison and like, oh, God, where'd all these dark souls come from? So that's that's the reality of the world we're living in here. It just looks bad because where we are, it's not like that everywhere else is all I'm trying to say. Yes, it's very different. And Robert, we definitely are coming on a break if you do want to just take a little break and go and get something to drink or go to the bathroom. I think this would be a great time to do that. Okay. All right. We'll take a little break right now. And when we come back, we'll wrap up the program. And welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Um, everyone, welcome back, Mr. Robert Stanley to the program for part two of the Michael Deacon program. What's up, Robert? No much, Michael. It's a pleasure to speak with you as always. Oh, my goodness, clockwise. And, of course, this might be relayed back on your network, correct? I'm going to work on that. I Yeah, I'm not sure how podcasting is. With uh, I think it has to be one-hour segments. Uh, so I'll, maybe I'll break this up into a few different episodes or segments for them. Yeah, go ahead and do that. And if you do leave this one in here... Um, I'll just say welcome to those listening on KGRA. Thank you. Yeah, I, I call it the greatest alternative talk radio station on the planet because for me it is. <laughs> yeah, what shows are on there, by the way? If you oh don't my mind goodness, Richard Dolan, um, uh, Don Ecker. Um, oh God. I'm leaving somebody out, uh, Linda Moulton Howe. It's, it's a bunch of people. There's a couple new people lots came of, on, Grant yeah. Cameron's. Yeah, lots Grant of popular Cameron's names. Come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's other people, too, I've never heard of, but they're really good. Uh, so I'm just enjoying the heck out of that. That's good, though. I'm, I'm glad you found a place where you could sort of be yourself and not have to worry too much and, you know, throw your product out there. <laughs> yeah, well, 
It's, uh, I mean, I wish I was just on coast to coast again recently and it was kind of fun doing that, but it's a different format. It's a very, yeah, it's a very different format and you can't really get into too much substance on that because there's so many breaks. God, it's like, uh, what is it? 20 minutes out of the hour. Right. Commercials. Oh, it's, it's horrid. I, I just don't know and understand the state of radio currently right now, even though I'm such a big fan of it. It's yeah. just the business. I, I see the business and it's just, they keep going backwards in time. Yeah. I don't know who's listening to those commercials for sure, but it's, uh, it's paying somebody's bills. That is 100%. Someone is making money. That's why it's still around <laughs> for sure. And you know what? I did want to go back to ancient Egypt really quickly sure. and tell you that, you know, I was actually going to bring on Zahi Hawass to the program. Really? I, yeah, I had talked to him via cell phone. And everything was going good. I had a good rapport with him. He was very friendly with me, which I was surprised. And, um, you know, he's not very friendly. Right. Right. So this time he actually, he really was friendly with me. I was taken back. Um, however, we talked and everything was good. And right when the time came, he was nowhere to be found. However, he did call back after I kind of lost interest in doing the show. I was kind of on the computer and I saw his call come up. And right when I was going to answer it, it went off. <laughs> so no Zahi Hawass. I, I was I was very sad because I had so much to go into with him. I was just thrilled that he'd be on the show. And I felt I felt like the first time I, I watched that series he was a part of when they went into one of the pyramids there. Yeah. With the, with the little camera, if you recall, on Fox. Yeah. I was way back in the day, right? Yeah, well, so I got to go inside the Great Pyramid in 1975, and that was, uh, uh, my parents and my sister stayed outside for some reason, and I went in there and spent some time alone in the so-called Queen's Chamber, and then I ascended oh, the Grand nice. Gallery, and I went into the King's Chamber, so-called, and there was a tour group in there, and, um, the tour guide struck that stone box with a wooden mallet and caused it to ring like a tuning fork. And which caused me to have an out-of-body experience. Briefly, I found myself outside the pyramid. And um, to make things even stranger, I could see um, that there was somebody, some group of individuals looking at me. And they looked to be like Egyptian gods because they were wearing the weird headdress. And um, I'm pretty sure at that point that uh, I thought I was imagining it. But um, it, it really happened. And then... Uh, as the sound dissipated in the room, then I, I found myself back in my body and it was weird because I thought everybody in the room had had that experience oh and that's my. why the tour guide struck the thing. I thought it was <laughs> yes. just, you know, it was that's crazy. It's a trick, you know, uh, wow. I, yeah, I was 15 years old and that was 75. So 10 years later, again, this has something to do with resonance. And, uh, as I was creating a tone in my body on top of a mountaintop, much like being in the pyramid, a, a man-made mountain, with this particular frequency in that room. Uh, uh, so on top, 10 years later, on top of the mountain, I was creating a, that particular tone allowed me to leave my body um, and uh, enter a realm of light. And I believe, you know, like I said, that this entity is uh, known by many different names, including in Egypt, he was known as Toth. Actually, his in Egypt, they call him Tehuti or Jehudi. That's, that's more accurate. Toth and Hermes is more of Greek uh, connotation to his name, but it, he's called by different names by different people, different times, cultures, but he's been around for a very long time, and I guess he's going to stick around as long as he needs to, 
in order to help us, uh, well, get through it here. Oh, you know, there was something else that I was thinking about. I got to tell you, a few weeks after I had that out-of-body experience on top of the mountain in Malibu, I right. um, I had a lucid dream where I was back at my house and where I grew up there at Zuma Beach. And um, it, it was a bright, sunny day in the dream. And I mean, I knew exactly where I was and I was happy to be there. And um, beautiful location looking out over the ocean and the beach. And uh, but for some reason, my attention was so there was something in the sky. I turned my head and I saw it's either two or three UFOs s- s- coming low over the house, straight towards the ocean. They passed over the house and they went out, out just off the beach, maybe like a mile, not even that far. And then they entered the water. And I believe they were silver color when they did this. And then momentarily they came back out the exact same opposite direction. They came now they're popping back out of the water and they were a gold color. And uh, at that point, I got so excited. I started yelling towards the house where my dad had his studio uh, as an artist. He, he worked at home a lot of the time. He's had an office and a studio there. I'm yelling, Dad, Dad, come out here. Check this out. Look at these UFOs. And, and then the next thing I know, there was a flash of light, just like out of Star Trek, you know, mm-hmm. flash of light. And here's this guy standing there again. Same guy. So this was directly telling me two things on a spiritual consciousness level, um, that he is my father on some level and that he is connected to uh, extraterrestrial UFO activity. Uh, so that was, again, that was uh, 85. That was 85. And by the way, I must mention this to you. Uh, Zuma Beach is one of the locations where I actually saw something weird in the sky. And this really? was in 2005. Yes. So once you said that, I kind of... <laughs> the hair in the back of my neck sort of stood up when you said that, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Well, one of the events that happened when I was working in the 80s as head of security down there at Broad Beach. Now, Broad Beach is the, the private section of Zuma Beach. Ah. As you as you go mm-hmm. from Point Doom over to, I think they call it uh, Trancus Point, um, that's Zuma. The whole, that entire thing is like almost, it's a little over two miles long. And uh, a portion of it, like about a mile of it, is is all private. Actually, it used to all be private. And then, well, I mean, homes right on the beach there. That the parking lot at Zuma Beach actually was p- private homes till the county came in there and um, they pushed them out. They paid them for the property and kicked them off of it and turned it into a public beach. But the bottom line is this: one year uh, in the 80s, I was there and doing security and. Uh, a few UFOs, yeah, it was at least three, maybe four or five UFOs showed up and during uh, the summer on a very hot, crowded summer day. I mean, and it, it, Zuma Beach draws a crowd. On the public section, it's just, it's like sh- ants on sugar. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just covered in people. And because it's a white beach, and when you cover it with people, it just looks there. Anyway, the bottom line is there, was, there had to be tens of thousands of people there that particular day, which was, was fairly normal. The thing that was not normal and I was actually sitting there reading a book like I normally do, but I was doing my job and I saw uh, a flash of light coming from the sky. So I looked up and I realized it was a passenger jet coming down, um, gradually uh, descending over the Point Doom area, just inland from where I was sitting. And it was it, it, it was reflecting the sunlight off of the body of the jet. And it just caught my eye in a certain way, which is weird because that never happens. I look up, I see the jet. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Then I saw the UFOs and they were below the jet, meaning they were pretty damn low. And they were hovering over the mountaintop behind Point Doom. 
And it, so the jet passed over them. I think actually they intentionally did that, by the way. I, I know it was kind of in the flight path, but I do think that the, that the pilots had to have seen these things. And I'll tell you why. Second. So they pass over these small group of UFOs, very nondescript balls of light. And, and I'm watching this. Now I'm telling my friends, tell my friends, some of my friends that are sitting close by I said, Hey, you guys check that out. Look at those UFOs. And this is in the middle of the daytime. Um, Oh, it, some, one of my friends, it, it wasn't interested in this stuff at all. When he saw it, he started freaking out. I mean, he really did because he could actually see it. And he was just like, and he wasn't interested in that stuff, but he was just something about it just yeah, really a, triggered him. It's amazing. Yeah. And one, another one of my friends who was actually interested in this stuff, I don't know what his problem was that day, but he didn't want to look up at all. I don't know. He was just having a bad day and he's just like, I don't care. He just, he literally like that. He's like, I don't care. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, it was just, like just saying the reactions were mixed mm-hmm. at that point. And I don't think anybody was really paying attention to it until the two military jets showed up. Well, now everybody's looking at the jets because, you know, holy crap, those things are loud. They're fast. They're ominous looking. They were low uh, and they were performing maneuvers and they came in. They were there to intercept those UFOs and um, the UFOs did not speed away. They just like vanished. They they just vanished and they like, uh but <laughs> Of course, naturally, when the jets left, they they reappeared. They reappeared, right. And so I'm sure there was thousands of people that saw those things that day but didn't know what to think about it or let alone, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing you can do. But it, but they were there for some reason. I, don't, I really still don't know what it was. But um, just saying, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I know. And um, going back to when I had mentioned UFOs and asked you about your your parents knowing about this sort of thing and that pattern. What I was also going to mention to you was my parents had seen something over their home many, many moons ago. Mm -hmm. And one of the stories my uncle had relayed to me long time ago was that he saw something in the sky back at at his mother's home. And my mom was also there. It was my mom, her brother, my uncle. Um, my grandmother and one of my other uh, aunts was there and they, they saw something strange in the sky right before they were going to leave church. If I recall correctly, the story goes, they saw something green hovering in the sky and then quickly leave. And this freaked everybody out. No one talked about this for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And my mom was very um, religious, of course. And um, way fast forward. And then once again, she sees another object in the sky, this time with my father. And I believe it scares her so much that she goes back into religion heavily. (laughs) Yeah. And she never wants to talk about it. My dad tried to get her to talk about it. Nothing. She just gets quiet and and goes into her room. Yeah. So I don't know what to say about that. That's no, it's very typical. I There was one time where when I was this was all starting to happen. I should. okay. let's explain it this way. After I had the out-of-body experience, then I had that that really weird lucid dream where he showed up again and was basically telling me, yes, I'm your father, and on some level, and um, uh, I'm connected to the UFO thing, basically saying I'm an extraterrestrial. He was saying that to me. He was showing me. He's demonstrating it very vividly. And so I, because of that, I, st- I, I went back up to the mountain, that particular mountain range, and I was hoping to somehow connect, reconnect with him on some level. And what happened was I started seeing the UFOs, especially at night when I hung out up there and I'd bring friends. We'd have 
close yeah. encounters is right above Point Magoo where that so-called anomaly is off the, you know, the coast there. Yeah. Some people claim it's a UFO base. Um, so, and I also found that there were these giant megalithic statues up there from God knows when, certainly predating the Shumash, the Native American people there. When I, when I did show them some of the pictures of those statues, they said, oh, that was the work of the first people. They were destroyed in a flood. And so, which I could accept, but it's just, so what happened was the, the, once I had contact with him and he, and he said, I'm your father and I'm an extra, basically, you know, extraterrestrial or that he's an extraterrestrial that, um, I started having all these close encounters up in the mountains, but it continued when I moved out of Malibu and I was, I was living in Santa Monica. In fact, um, the year that I met my wife, when she started Unicus magazine, I was having some weird, weird close encounters. Like, like I was one day, one evening I was sitting there. I had just gone for a walk around the block. I'm sitting there by myself in my apartment and I'm getting this weird, weird, weird feeling. So I, I, I went back outside. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I just basically went back outside and I saw these guys in a pickup truck driving down the street. One guy was sitting, he had it, he was completely out the, the passenger side window. He was sitting on the window, look, pointing up in the sky at something, not saying a word, but he was just like, it was so, it looked so weird that he was doing this, right? Uh, and so naturally I looked yeah. up at the sky and I saw, I saw what he was looking at was a UFO and I thought, Oh, okay. What are they doing here? Um, is that why I'm back out here? It must be. So I walked, um, I noticed it was moving towards my, it was in, it was kind of in front of me off to my left, but it was moving slowly to the right. And it was really low, by the way, maybe, I don't know, 1500, 2000 feet, uh, not even that. It was really low above the city, which was that, that kind of freaked me out too. I was like, what the hell is it going to land here? Um, so I walked, I started walking towards the ocean as it straight ahead. As it was coming, moving from my left to right, and then it stopped. So I stopped, and I'm watching it, and then suddenly, and I could, it was really just very, very close, actually, less than a mile away. And, and I, um, remember I could see some sort of distinct levels, like decks, you know, yeah. like something right inside. I could see, I couldn't see movement, but I could see there was like a structure inside because the light was so bright coming out of it. Normally you don't see it like that though. You don't see anything on the inside. You only just see the energy on the outside. But I'm still, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm wondering, what are they doing? Next thing I know, it starts getting really bright, really bright. And it, it, to me, it looked like it was shrinking, which I thought was completely bizarre. And then I realized, wait a second, it's moving away from me at a huge rate of speed and it made zero sound. It was like, and it happened so quickly too. And when I realized that, I actually felt like a vertigo feeling mm. because it moved away from me so fast. And in a matter of just like, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds, it was, it was out of the atmosphere. Yeah. That's the detail of these stories. And both times I was told about it, um, just dead silence. <laughs> You're talking about your parents, right? right? My parents and my uncle who had told me about the UFO when they described the craft, that it was mm -hmm. very silent. And uh, yeah. my father told me, of course, it was very silent, except what he saw was like a triangular craft. And mm. it was it looked. He said it looked a little bit like some sort of. Um, it had some sort of weird, translucent color thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird to describe, but that's kind of how he described it to me. And of course, there is a naval facility right where I live, pretty close where the Blue Angels train. By the way. Okay. So. 
Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that, yeah, I am. yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, there's an air base there. So I'm wondering perhaps maybe it was a, a craft that, that they're developing that we don't know about yet. Who knows? I, I, Who knows? Well, though? those typically the field propulsion craft are something really exotic and I know we have some, but the bulk of them, especially the ones that can leave the atmosphere like that or go interdimensional, uh, no, I don't think that we have control over that stuff. And besides, those things have been around long before we even started tinkering around with it. It's incredible, really. And going back to the whole concept of uh, Planet X, I, I forgot to mention this to you. Oh, yeah. I'm not quite sure how you feel about the whole Planet X and Zachariah Sitchin and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. In reference to ancient aliens. Oh, well, that's part of the misinformation. I think Zachariah, uh, he was paid very well to misinform people. And, um, you know, he did a good job at it, specifically for the Anunnaki, not the Illuminati, although there was an element to that. I mean, he had, we know, I know for a fact he had help from the Vatican Masonic Order, um, George Soros is it was his classmate when they were going to, uh, the university, well, not, not university, uh, London School of Economics is where he went. He was given a scholarship just like George Soros. Both of those guys were tasked for basically social engineering. They, you know, in other words, they're just, they're basically pawns. Uh, so I, I, uh, I don't, I don't dislike him as a person. Um, we have, we had a mutual friend who worked in the CIA. He's also a high level Mason. That's how I got introduced to him, Sitchin. Um, and I had no reason to really distrust the guy, but, and he seemed nice enough, but he, I, you know, for, at this point, I know for a fact that he was not, either he didn't know or he wasn't able to tell us the, the rest of the story. Yeah, that's interesting. I never knew about huh? that. Well, most people don't. And again, I, it's not like I'm going out of my way to try and find dirt on the guy. Sure. That's not what this is about. It's just about no. coming out with, with, uh, the truth. Yeah, and he's very pro-Anki. I mean, he's basically Anki, Anki, either Lucifer or Satan or whatever you want to call it. I mean, this, and that's not me just saying that. That's part of the historical record. So it's like you could say, I think, legitimately that that um, Sitchin was a Luciferian, and he was unapologetic about it. You know, one of his books that a lot of people get confused about is called The Lost Books of Anki, or The Lost Book of Anki, actually. It's it's fiction. It's his interpretation of what Enki might be thinking and what the problem with that is. Um, yeah, he could have actually been, been, um, overshadowed by Enki to write that on behalf of Enki, but that doesn't mean it's accurate. If Enki's one of the fallen angels that has been, that started all this nonsense or was involved in this, this criminality, uh, and he's been imprisoned here on some level, then yeah, I mean, not a, not a person I would go to for any kind of uh, accurate information. Understood. And one other thing that I have always wondered, I don't think we've ever had this conversation before, but I was curious what you thought of human origins and how we came to be. Hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of like the West Henry version of things that uh, Enki's mother, this goddess being uh, the Orion court, uh, uh, what do you call the queen of the Orion court? She was uh, manifested this particular region, this particular world was something that they were working on as a template or blueprint for replicating in other worlds and other systems within the Orion Empire. And um, that the life forms here originally that we could consider to be human were hermaphrodite, meaning both sexes. Mm. They had both sexes combined. Right. And um, that they were 
benevolent, that they were, uh, what do you call it, uh, symbiotic. They were not parasitic. In other words, they weren't predatory. And they, they weren't primitive either. They had unique capabilities or capacities in that they were more than just telepathic. They had the ability to, well, we just call it remote viewing now, but it's a little more extreme than that. Right. You know, uh, basically projecting some part of themselves, a divine spark that they could travel. They didn't really need technology per se, that they could travel around the cosmos in like a spirit form. Uh, so yeah, there's no need for spaceships. Understood, understood. So you definitely believe we were genetically created, basically, modified. Well, yeah, it's her DNA. And even after Enki started the rebellion, the war, civil war, that he was tampering with the DNA that she created. He didn't actually create new DNA. He he, uh, has modified, genetically modified the DNA that she created to serve his agenda. That's just, that's, that's right. my opinion Understood. of it right now. I don't, it's, you know, I think there's a lot of things that we, we're going to learn eventually, especially those of us that want to know the truth. It will become available to us, but the I, problem is there's mm-hmm. a, there's a prohibition on it. If in fact this is a pr- prison planet for these particular extraterrestrials, they don't want that information coming out. So they're doing whatever they can to, um, if they can't stop it from coming out. Well, for example, like this thing, this, this new academy to the stars. Oh, they boy. came out with this, yes. right? They came out with this video that's classified. <laughs> yes. Turns out it was, it was a drone. It was a fleet of drones. And the Pentagon knew this all along. And they, that's why they greenlighted it for the mainstream media through the New York Times. They're like, yeah, here you go. Here's yeah, some fake I, news. I have a feeling this was just misinformation or disinformation, whatever By you would design. like to call it for sure. And just, yeah. just going back quickly to what you said, um, I, I think you're right about that. I think we definitely were genetically altered, but my, my opinion goes a little bit further where I think, um, we came to be obviously, well, not obviously, but, um, I, I think perhaps one of the, my hypothesis, uh, my hypothesis rather, um, goes more along the lines of panspermia, how we first were introduced into the universe by space dust and asteroids and comets. And we basically were in there, um, we were basically they're via microorganisms and that's kind of how we first came to be. And once we first got here, that's when, that's when everything started to be genetically altered by these higher beings. But yeah, it goes along the lines with what you believe. I, I think that's probably the best way we could sort of align how we came to be. Well, panspermia is an interesting theory because it allows for extraterrestrial seeding of the world without any direct intent. It's more of just an accident. Right. It's a happening. It, it just happens, you know, uh, without any direct agenda or intention behind it. So it's, again, you know what? It's, it's avoiding the question or the subject of who did what, when, and why. True. That, yeah. Essentially, that is the bottom line. That's a hard one to answer. It is, and though. It's most difficult. everything about it is speculation. And look, I, I know I, I slam a lot of people to Chin and to the stars with all that, you know, but, I, the, but the thing is, this whole entire field is tainted, like everything else in this world is corrupt. It's right. and by design, so it's really hard to get an accurate answer on these questions. It's okay to discuss it, but I just like, you know, we have to preface this by saying, you know, allegedly that is the case. <laughs> I agree 100%. That's also another way to avoid a lawsuit. Oh God! Allegedly, yes. um, but yeah, there's also <laughs> the the Pope who oh. recently he's being tagged as a Satanist. 
this goes back to Father Malachi Martin, who did yeah. say that he did see a satanic ritual performed in the Vatican Church. Yeah, back in the 60s. But it's always been that way. It's always it, been it comes from Babylon. Uh, Marduk is, my understanding, if you read Wes Penry's work, he says that Enki is Lucifer. He started the rebellion. His first son, Marduk, and who's heavily worshipped in Babylon, was the one that basically took over his father's business here. And it created these religions that worship these fallen ones, uh, you know, and so that they can control us, essentially divide and conquer and control us. I mean, because you look at religion is very political. It's also been used. It's it's heavily um, weaponized in order to get us, motivate us to kill each other. And um, and that's indisputable. No matter which religion that you prefer, they've all got a very dark side. And that is stemming from um, these particular fallen angels, Anunnaki, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of this where politics has become the new religion. And it oh, and really, science. Don't leave that out. It, well, that too. It really impacts, though, the, the human psyche where it really makes these people very violent, very angry. Yeah, because and, because they turned away from religion. Generally speaking, it's not a, an influence as much as it used to be. So now it is uh, politics, the media, uh, science is is supporting that allegedly, you know, they, see, the thing about science is a lot of it is theoretical, but they present it as fact. So that's it's, very true. And, and because they're in a position of authority, they or they'd like us to believe that these guys know a bit more than everybody else. So if they lie to us, then we have to accept it because that's how authority figures work. If they're corrupt, they're not going to say, oh, I'm corrupt and I'm lying to you. Right. They just yes. say, you know, the media says, oh, according to this scientist, uh, you know, the universe is such and such. And we're all just like, uh, what do we call it? A, um, naked apes or something. Or worse yet, they say a mechanistic reductionist kind of thing. We're just machines. We can transfer our, our souls into different containers and all this crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's transferable. That. That's not the point. The DNA is, is, uh, really well designed. It's it's divine on some level. This is this is an act of benevolence and creativity that you can't replicate. It's not a machine. It's way too complex. It's and uh, it 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 has a symbiotic uh, uh, pattern to it that is um it's designed to be beautiful and resonant and um connected. This this all this other nonsense that they're talking about this machine world that they're building. Uh, it's it's just the matrix and it's it's not sustainable. It's parasitic or predatory, and um, it's not based on truth. Right, and Robert, we are definitely coming up on the close to the program, but one of the other things I did want to ask you was, when was the last time you had a past life vision? Oh, God. <laughs> Man. I know you got That's some. A good question. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I can't say that I – that's not in my radar right now, but if I think of it, I'll definitely send you a message. Um, It's a good question now that you ask. Yeah, I definitely feel that you've had these in the past. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, okay, I, I've been more focused on solving or resolving some of the riddles in this life for this lifetime. And it's, that's what I've been more focused on. So I, yeah, even if I got a glimpse of a different lifetime, uh, they're all really, it's like chapters of a book. It's all the same book. If that answers your question at all. Oh yeah, I, I could understand that. That makes a lot of sense to me as well. Um, so Robert, the new book, it's going to definitely take a little bit of time. <laughs> well, the the Correct. reason it's taking this long, and there's a lot of people that want to read 
about Malibu because they another, think they yeah. have they have a perception of all oh, you know hot movie stars and all this stuff. People want it. Yeah, but it's a big part of it has just been un- unraveling these mysteries. That's why I call it mysterious Malibu because it's it's been a mystery to me my own life. How can my own life be a mystery? That doesn't you know that just that just doesn't make sense. But I've I've kind of given you a taste of it now and um uh I I had to break it up too. There's just so much information. Hold on. <clears throat> I've had to, had to break it up into different volumes because there's just it's too much stuff for one book. So I'm going to do it my story and then their story and then the history. So it'll probably come out in three volumes. Very good, very good. And one more other thing. Go yeah. ahead and plug anything you'd like. And can you give us one final message to those mystics and researchers out there like <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, everything that I do is is out there. Uh, there's no secrets. It's all on my website at unicusmagazine.com, and that includes the radio show. You can link up to it there. Uh, I'll do that as long as possible. Um, I'm having a blast doing that with KGRA for now. We'll see if that continues. But, um, um, you know, I, I do think that the message that I received from Saima was not for me. It was for all of us, and that is that uh, to look inside and find the dark side of ourselves and to embrace it and transmute it with love and light. And I know that sounds hokey, but it, it actually makes a lot of sense to me uh, that uh, we're not victims unless we choose to be. We've survived a lot so far, and it's actually made us stronger. And, and that's something to celebrate. That's something to be proud of. And um, there's a lot more that we can be proud of. I, I'm sure I've known this for a long time. The potential for us as souls, as humans, but more specifically as seeds of light, our potential is yet to be fully realized. And I don't think it's all going to happen here. I think this was just preparatory. It was, a, it was like a place where we germinate. Uh, so it's, um, <laughs> yeah, very well said. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, man. Really interesting what comes next. It really is. And I think we're going to see all these great changes in our lifetime. It's not going to be so far out into the future. True. Very true. I think this is the future. And yeah. Robert Stanley, once again, that's unicusmagazine.com where you could find more information on my guest right here, right now, Mr. Robert Stanley. It's been an honor and privilege to have you here on the program yet again, uh, Mr. Stanley. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Oh, yes. And we'll do it again. And my goodness, Robert, I can't believe how long we went here. This was such a fun time. <laughs> yeah, always a pleasure. My goodness. Okay, Robert, well, I'll let you go and do what you need and get some rest out there. Or actually, you're you're wide awake. You don't need rest. It's daytime for me. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm here in the future. Yeah, you're in the future. I'm out here in the night. I, I need to relax. Yes. All right, Robert. Take Thanks care again. and good night, you my too. friend. Bye. Bye. And that was my guest, Mr. Robert Stanley. My God, what a fun evening that was. And of course, I'd like to thank all the great people over at the Fringe FM and the ParanormalForm.net. And if you're listening to this um, on a replay, keep in mind, you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. And, of course, if you enjoy this program, definitely help fund the program. Go to michaeldeacon.com and hit that Donate button. Any amount of money is amazing. So go ahead and share the show with your friends or family, this program. Depends on you right there, yeah. Right there, you, yes. I'm talking to you on your cell phone or your laptop. I definitely need you. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. 
Until next time, good night, everybody. It's crazy. I had no idea they should have used it before 726. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the person, then you got a nip on that. I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back. That's what I want. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my defense to tell you both that you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive with us. Now, you say you keep saying us. Flawless victory.